500 years ago he washed ashore the sole survivor of a shipwreck and upon the skull of the man who killed his dad he said i'm mad i must eradicate piracy injustice and cruelty and all my sons will follow me so evil doers will believe that this man cannot die the ghost who walks enemies beware the phantom's always there but you won't find the phantom he finds you welcome phantom fans to podcast 66 wow we are moving along it has been a busy busy couple of last couple of months and so we have not done a comics and news episode for a while so buckle up make sure you listen to us while you've got a nice long drive because this is going to be a good one uh, as normal, I have, it is the three amigos, uh, Stephen and Dan, how are you guys going? Very well, thank you. Yourself? Pretty good, thank you. Yeah, good to be with you guys again today. Looking forward to talking all things news that, uh, as you say, it's been, it's been a busy couple of months and uh, a lot to cover, so looking mm. forward to it. It's just as well uh, there's a lot going on in the fandom world because... Um, our, all three of our football teams suck at the moment, so um, we can forget about the AFL. And you guys aren't used to it, so... <laughs> yeah. So, without uh, diddly-daddling too much, let's go to probably the two biggest announcements or news that has been... that probably be this year, I would say. I don't mm. think we're going to get much bigger news this year, and we're only halfway through it. So first of all, let's start with some news that uh, that's probably not as going to be uh, as big as the next lot of news. So the first one is going to be the change of the artist for the Sunday newspapers, which used to be Terry B, who's been doing it for about three, four, maybe five years from five the top years, of my head. Five, five years. years. Um, and in is... Um, Oh, man, talk about a mind blank. Jeff. Jeff Weigel. <laughs> Jeff Weigel. So is that how you say it? A Weigel? Weigel, yes. Hello, my name is Jeff Weigel. I don't have any colorful stories about my name, but you can remember how to pronounce it by the first part being why, just like the question who, what, when, where, and why. And gull is just like the end of seagull. So Jeff Weigel. Yes. All right, cool. Sorry, Jeff, if you're listening to that. Um... Feel free to butcher my first name when we finally get you on the podcast. Uh, so basically, Terry Beatty was doing Sunday, but he was uh, the Sunday Phantom, and he was also doing the dailies and Sundays for uh, some other strip, which we won't bother mentioning. Um, and so, but, <laughs> <laughs> it's not that good. It's pretty boring. It, um, it is, it isn't. I was, I was wondering why he'd um, he'd stay keep with that one and. Then, I mean, yeah, keep with that one rather than a than the Phantom, but I think he's got more creative control on, on that one, doesn't he? He's, uh, also, he's yeah. yeah, seeing he's doing the writing and the storytelling, he probably gets paid more as well. Well, that's it. Um, and as much as knowing Terry, I'm sure he would prefer to keep them both and continue to still doing the Phantom. At the end of the day, we're all a slave to the wallet, 
and we've all got bills and wives to keep happy and children to feed and stuff like that. So sometimes you have to make a sacrifice like that. Yeah, and my, my reading of it was that it was uh, just the time constraints, uh, the, the, yeah. the time demands of the Phantom Strip, um, trying to trying to keep ahead of the game and uh, just just one thing too many on his plate, I think, as much as anything else. And so, yeah, when it came to a choice of what do you have to drop, it was uh, the one that wasn't paying as well as the other thing, so you can understand that. Mm. Yeah, and he's got young kids as well. Um, so we've... We're either there or we've been there. And you know sometimes you have to make sacrifices when you have young kids Mm -hmm. because, you know, kids are important. And so, yeah. Um, Which, it it was sad. I enjoyed Terry Beatty, especially his early work. I really enjoyed his early work. Um, Some of the highlights, which again is all in the article that we have posted up, would have to be uh, the Deathstalks of Six Phantom and then the first crossover with uh, Mandrake and the Phantom. They, and also the Savannah story as well. Uh, um, they're probably the my highlights of his era. But um, yeah, so, what, do reckon, what do you reckon of Jeff? Um, Jeff. Good, good. Uh, I, think, I think it's going to be a good move coming in. The thing that I like with him and also um, uh, Mike Manley is that they have a good number of years left in them. Um, and so, you know, they've got years to be able to grow into the role and put a good, you know, hopefully solid, you know, 20, 30, you know, years into the fandom and, you know, make a real legacy out of it. And the artwork's, artwork's exceptional. That's That was going to be my point about um, Jeff Weigel. I think so far from what we've seen of his fandom, it is just... Oh, sorry, not not so much his fandom because, and I'm just scrambling to look up today's because we're recording this on a Sunday to look up today's strip and no, looking at it right now. He's not in um, there today. <laughs> still not in there today. So that's four uh, Sunday strips now we've had from Jeff. Um, still no fandom, um, but the artwork uh, in those first four strips, I've just been really, really impressed with the detail in the expression of faces and the use of different mm. shot types and that sort of thing has just been outstanding. Yeah. Some of the sneak peeks that uh, he's been giving on Facebook of um, images that we're going to see in the coming months, I'm really, really impressed with what he's doing, and um, I, I'm quite hopeful. Like you said, if, if Jeff can get a a long, long run at it, I think we're going to see some truly outstanding art and some outstanding stories coming in off his drawing board. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. What do you think, Steve? Yeah, oh, I agree with Dan 100% there. Like we see um, the way he's done the Phantom in the um, in the title um, mm. title box, um, but yeah, we haven't really seen him in action yet. But yeah, the emotion that's coming out of um, uh, it's a Patrolman Weeks or Captain mm. Weeks, the um, mm. young fellow there, he, he's re- his blood's boiling. Mm. And um, mm. seems like he's done a bit uh, of a playbook out of uh, Dan old control uh, uh, old weeks um, or young weeks. He's um, trying to impress the girls uh, by ordering a milk. Uh, in, the, yeah, in the first couple of uh, 
it, well, it, it, well, it doesn't work, so I'm not sure why they're trying it, but it must be. Uh, <laughs> maybe I'm wondering uh, what they put in that milk because they're all raging now. They're getting they're getting automatic <laughs> weapons out. They're incredible. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> no, they can't be very happy. Terrible with must the... have had a beer because he's because he, he's fairly calm. He's, he's he's calming them all back down. <laughs> Uh, no, it's, it's a really oh. promising start to this story, and yeah, as I say, really promising start to Jeff Weigel's career with the fandom. And, and from his announcement, I know that um, he's very excited about it too, and he's yes. been a fan. And so, yeah, really looking forward to his to his run, as I said. Mm. Definitely, definitely. All right, so while we're on the topic of newspaper strips, probably the biggest news of the year, and dare we say it could probably even get bigger, would have to be the, uh, the news that we have read in the last week or so, and that is about Tony D. Pulse, who is the Sunday and the daily author of uh, the newspaper strips, has stepped down, which came as a bit of a shock to everyone. Yes, um, Considering that he hasn't been doing any writing since apparently November last year, um, it's all been very, very mm. quiet. Yeah, it's um, look, I, we've we've got an article which has got uh, which is a very detailed, brilliant article, not focusing on so much the reason why he's stepping down, but more on his time. So I think everyone needs to have a bit of a read of that. So we won't go over the article because. You know, there's no point in saying stuff twice. <laughs> um, but what worries me, and I'll say it straight out, is that this could, and maybe it's just that I'm a pessimist, but it could quite easily see the end of the Phantom in the newspaper. Very pessimistic, Jermaine, and we won't hear of that. No. Surely, surely they're going to get someone else in. It's, but it's not just mm. that. Like with, like if you read Tony's article as well, there seems to be a lot of conflict with the characters, mm. and my, I, I must admit I don't fully understand the whole contractual area as well as probably some sharper minds that are listening to this. But you know, if things don't get cleared out, can because Tony D. Paul has, and we've said it on past. Uh, episodes and shows, he has brought uh, forward the Phantom's legacy or the fact that we won't even see a 22nd Phantom. So does that mean all of that storyline from the last two, three years gets cancelled and then we have to, you know, start again? Mm. Can the new writer use the same characters again? Can you use Nomad? Can you use no. Chadu? Can you use the female patrol women? Can you use um, the fact the Tibetan monks and the Tibetan police, um, you know, uh, Heloise's, uh, what do you call it, uh, roommate, which is the Nomad's daughter? Can he use? Can the new writer use those? And if he can't, what or is the can. new writer going to do? Yeah. Or no. she, if it's a new writer. I, do, you, do they have to kind of start again? And does it just get too hard where they just say, oh, screw it, we'll just do reprints? No. Because well, that's, that's what they do with other... That's what they've been doing with other characters. No, I, I'm, a lot, I'm, I'm a bit more glass half full like Steve. I don't think it will be the end of The Phantom. It's a dramatic, massively dramatic uh, shift. It won't... Yeah. It no won't be the that. end of The Phantom. 
but I reckon it, it could quite easily become the end of new phantom stories in the newspaper. No, I, I, I firmly don't think that will happen. I think you're being very, very pessimistic there. Um, I, it is a massive, massive shift. And from my reading of what Tony said to us, and, and by the time this podcast goes up, our the interview with Tony DePaul will be um, on Chronicle Chamber, and I couldn't encourage people more to go back and read that because I think that's that's going to be one of the better um, interviews that we've ever put on the on the website, to be honest, um, right up there with Cy Barry and perhaps, given the currency, even better. Yep, I agree. And, and my reading of that is that, no, none of those characters that you've just mentioned, because they were created by Tony DePaul and because contractually um, he, and just to try and, and go through this really quickly, he was never, he was always freelance, I guess, in a sense, to KFS. And so, as a result, every character that he created belongs to him. And when KFS tried to get rights to those characters to um, spin off to a movie, and we can talk about that separately, but that that's where the sticking point came. They weren't prepared to pay him what he felt that they were worth, and they wanted to retrospectively take all of the rights to everything that he'd created over the last 17 years for, for nothing or for an absolute song. And so it's got to the point where they will not be able to use any of those characters going forward. Now, what that what effect that has on, you know, the, the Nomad plot, I think that's done. I, I think that's, that's over. I don't think that'll go any further. We won't see that again. Whether that means anything for this, like you said, the move to the 22nd Phantom, um, I think that'll play out a lot over the next fortnight. Um, or, or three weeks to see what happens there. Um, and so that'll resolve itself. I think they can continue to go with that plot line uh, because there are no new characters as such. Maybe this Weasley assassin guy, um, but he's not a very well-fleshed-out character, so that anything can happen there. But in terms of the end of new stories, no, I think you're being very dramatic there. Well, let's hope so. Let's hope so. But if it becomes messy... You know, um, because let's let's face it, the newspaper strips isn't exactly a money making for KFS or Hearst. It's you know that I don't think they are making, um, you know, a lot to keep people employed and stuff like that. And it's probably more of a legacy strip. Um, so you know, if you know, well, where if would they be making their money messy, from? Because that's that's what they're renowned for is all their the strips in the newspapers wouldn't that be the their main? They wouldn't thing? be making just... it from adventure strips. Adventure strips aren't very popular these days. Um, if if when they'll be making their money, they'll probably be making it more maybe from the rights with like Fru and stuff like that. Um, but you got to remember that you know a lot of the characters like you know aren't getting published in other comics as well. So you're probably looking more at um, your humour. Your one-two panel standalone humour strips that are um, a lot more popular these days than adventure strips like the Phantom, Prince Valiant, Flash, and uh, etc. Then you know their, their numbers are dwindling. So if they are making money, which I'm sure they are, it will be from the other. Yeah, from I the don't other know. Ones. The Phantom is still in more newspapers than just about any other strip comic strip. Um, cartoon or humour or adventure or what have you, he's still in more newspapers than just about anything else. 
Yeah, well, yeah, I don't know the exact figures, but, you know, you, if, if this gets played out in the courts, it's going to be very costly. Yeah, there's no... And if it's, you know, and I will admit, I'm looking at it from the worst case point of view, but if it becomes very messy, it could just become a lot easier just to say, yep, that's enough. It'll be very sad, and I hope it doesn't, but I could see it. So... At this time of recording, we do not know who the new writer is. Now, in the article and through communication with Tony, we have he stopped writing back in November mm. in 2016. And correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, there's write there's scripts until the end of the year. I think is that correct? Uh, they did a new one. Well, maybe story like um, with right. the art and whatever. But they need a new script by well the next couple of months from what I've read. In July, yeah, yeah, he's the, oh, yeah. yeah. Yes, they they will keep producing Tony the Paul stories up until the end of the year, but to stay ahead, uh, exactly yeah. to keep the artists up to speed and for printing and that sort of thing. Uh, if they don't get new scripts started by July, um, which is only a, which is only a month, we're in June now, correct. so yeah. So that that will be interesting. We, we have. We are putting some feelers out and we've got our little minions and spires and stuff like that. So as soon as we hear something or it gets reported uh, who the new writer is, um, we will let everyone know about it, of course. So, yeah, so watch your space regarding that. And, like, I think, I think we all agree this, could, this, could, this story could get even bigger. Yeah, and it is worth pointing out that uh, or saying that we have contacted King Feature Syndicate for uh, comment, and they haven't replied at this stage, but it is over the weekend, so um, let's get it, let them get back into the offices. Yep. Yeah, I, I right. do look forward to them replying. I, I, yeah, to give them a yeah. chance to, um, to say their side. Hmm. Um, yeah. Like, at the moment, everything that DePaul has said, we very much feel for him, um, but, you know, we, I think we, we owe it to everyone to, to hear both sides as well, so... Um, KFS, but we look forward to hearing what you have to say about it. Mm. Exactly. All right, so let's focus on some more positive stuff from our point of view, not from uh, the wives' bank accounts' point of view, and that <laughs> is new stuff to buy. Now, all of this stuff is on the website or or on other websites where you can buy it from. So um, we're going to fly through this stuff because most people have read it and seen it and probably have already started buying. So let's fly through it. So Gary Horn's book, which you would have heard the podcast by now. Um, everyone going to buy one of those? Yes, of course I am. I'm um, going to yep. go down and um, <laughs> Gary's going to take my Sydney. book from Brisbane to Sydney and I'll pick it up in Sydney and bring it back to Queensland and that will save postage <laughs> somehow. <laughs> but, uh, yes, I, I'm looking forward to, to getting my hard copy that I can um, uh, have... Uh, with me at all times, so it'll be good. Yep, that's good. Yeah, Stephen, are you going to buy one? Or uh, it'd be handy to have a hard copy, but uh, yeah, I'm more of a wait and see. Um, yep. And just for everybody, how much? What's the recommended retail price on that one, Jermaine? Uh, it's twenty dollars. No, twenty five dollars. And then you've got is it ten dollars for postage in Australia and twenty dollars or fifteen dollars no, for international? International, but it's, twenty. It Again, it's all the, on the website. And you can buy in bulk and save, so if you can get together with some yeah. mates, for instance, in Adelaide or Perth, um, Gary will send five books 
for still ten dollars postage. So um, anywhere, pretty good. Yeah, anywhere between one and five books for ten bucks is uh, is not is not bad. Okay, now the next stuff is Herms have got a new the new uh, what do you call it daily uh, hardcover out, and then also believe uh, Avon Two is also out. Stephen, you've brought Avon Two, correct? Yes, I have bought it. I haven't had a chance to open it yet, but I've got it in my on my bookshelf. I was going to say my hot little hand, but no, it's in two rooms away from me in my bookshelf. You don't keep it in and the glove box for- of the car. <laughs> this is my wife's car that I'm in at the moment. So no. <laughs> if he if he keeps it in the glove box, it won't survive because there'll probably be cheesels and, uh, yeah. and everything else that gets flying around with uh, having driving around toddlers and young kids. Yep. So um, and then also, so have you guys been picking up the Herms daily hardcovers? <laughs> no, how big do you think my wallet is, no. mate? Yeah, they... <laughs> I can't afford them secondhand. They price themselves out of my market, yeah. I'm afraid. I'd love to. I would love to, but I just can't. What about the Avons? Are you picking up the Avons? I haven't yet. Um, I absolutely intend to. Um, yep. Yeah. But they, I haven't been able to just buy them at my local comic book shop. And, um, yeah, I was sort of waiting till after Sydney before uh, I can go online and pick those up. Yeah. Now, I have had word that um, Fans Vault is getting them in. So they're not on the website yet. So um, for those whose comic book stores don't get them in, um, not everyone, uh, you can get them. You will be able to get them probably after Sydney as well, probably after Supernova. So probably July, I reckon, you'll be able to, uh, they'll probably be on the website. And by the time we do our next Comic and News podcast, we should be able to be talking about Hermes, um, new, the Phantom series, the John F. Kennedy uh, Adventures, whatever it's called, um, because that's due out at the end of this month. Exactly, and of course you can see some previews and some screenshots and stuff like that on the website again. Now, what else you can buy is new stuff to buy. We've got from Fruit this time. We have the Folio 3, which Dan and myself have brought. Um, which one's your favourite one, uh, Dan? Um, yeah. Oh, before you get, is this the, um, the Phantom's World Folio? Yes. Yeah, have you um, brought yours yet, Steve? No, I don't have money. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm trying to remember. You've put me on the spot. The 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 one the the, the picture that I like best is the one with it, where he's in the red suit with the skull on his chest. Um, but yep. for those two reasons, I can't have it as my favourite. Um, <laughs> so, it, it's it's a, a really nice piece of All artwork. Right, moving the on, is <laughs> great. But that's uh, yeah. Yeah, that's my favourite. My wife actually was really impressed with him as well. Like a lot of the times, you know, she'll go on and go, oh, yeah. But then she looked at him and she goes, oh, wow, they're really nice. Her favourite was uh, the Angelino Tadero one. Um, the first one he did with the girls on the front, uh, she she just thought she loved the colours, the brightness. That was her favourite. Mine's the red one. Mm. Um, now, what did you show them to your recent from- house guests? Sorry? You show them to your recent house guests? Recent house guests? Oh, how quickly you forget. They're only just, you know, a couple of celebrities. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 they saw them. Well, I was just trying to think. I, have a feeling I was just trying to think. I don't have a new child or a dog. Or... <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, yeah, now they saw him. I think they had already. I think Duncan already had his. Um, but yeah, no, they're very nice. Um, what else is from Fru would be the Coloring In book, um, which well, most of us can yet, probably. I know uh, you can buy it online. It's it's available now, is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. I haven't gone on the uh, Fru website any time recently. Apparently, but it's not available in shops, so you can only get it off the website. Is that correct? Yes. How do now, we feel um, about that? You raise a very good point. Now, yeah. uh, you know, I, I'm going to be, I'm going to be, I'm going to be truthful. You know, people listen to get my, you know, people listen to have what I think and not hide behind stuff. So, I think that's a huge fail from Fru. They have done a lot right, um, and I um, am a huge fan of theirs. But I think, and I'm not sure whether they're going to eventually put it into coin, uh, into other places, but from what I can understand at the moment, it is only available via their website and available by Supernova. Now, Supernova is a huge thing because they've got the potential to reach thousands of people, and we've talked, we're going to talk about that in a future uh, podcast. Um, the next one. Uh, which will be the one after this. Yep. Um, but I think it is now. I'm sure there's a reason for it. It could have been, you know, there could be a number one number of reasons. But I think not putting it into bookstores, comic book stores, it is a is a miss. Um, or even children's toy shops and stuff like that, because we need to reach, or even news agents, we need to reach the next generation, which is what uh, Kid Phantom's all about. And, you know, we've heard the reviews with the young kids loving it and stuff like that. If if the only way you can get a coloring in book is by ordering it in, it's going to cost you 15 bucks plus postage. Does that price it out of a lot of people getting it in when they can go to their, you know, their local uh, rag shop and um, pick up a coloring in book for five bucks? And, and I think yeah, just as importantly, do they even know about it? Like, I'm a massive yeah. fan of the Colouring In book. I think it's a really great concept. Um, I couldn't couldn't be happier that Fru are putting it out. But it just seems um, like an odd decision not to put it in front of consumers where they know about it and can buy it. Um, you know, it, it's only fandom fans who go to the website or follow them on Facebook or, or read our yeah. website that know about it. Um it's yeah. it's just I, I'm, it boggles the mind well, a little bit. I'm not sure. There must be distribution costs. Yeah, you didn't even know that it was out yet, so you kind of. No, that's, that's <laughs> exactly know. right. I thought it was going to be at Supernova and then on the website after that. I didn't know it was on the website. I'm looking at it now, and and I'm I love the gifts that they're um, that they're using now to rattle through photos and that, the pictures and that. Right, I've just been looking at that for the last two minutes. You've been talking about yeah. it. Yeah, and <laughs> it, it's a great it's a Great, it's it's advertised really nicely on the website, but um, yeah, it, as I say, it should be in newsagents. You know, they've got a direct line to newsagents. It just seems like a really odd decision not to uh, not to get it in front of fans or, or potential future fans. More to the point. And I'm sure there's a reason for it. I we don't know that reason at the moment. Um, we can only speculate as fans and as people who 
have been praising through what they've done with Kid Phantom and with other stuff. We ju- I, I personally just think it's a bit of a miss. Mm. Um, and that's, but, not, again, it, it's not the book yeah. that's a miss. It's yeah. the marketing. Yes, because, you know, there's like, there's like 20, 30 different artists being um, uh, portrayed in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what the paper quality is like, whether it's going to bleed gloss, through. Perfect. perfect Sorry? <laughs> there's high gloss, perfect bound cover, 68 pages. There's 30 beautiful black and white drawings from 25 of your favourite cover artists. Yeah. I, I guess the point that I was making with the... With, with the paper quality is like if you draw on it with textures, does it leak over to the under the other side? And is there a, a picture on there, or is it like, uh, or is that blank? So then that way, if you do have heavy textures, the bleed doesn't affect another image. Are you honestly going to be colouring this in? Well, no, but there's going to be people <laughs> that are going to be colouring it in, and to be honest, there should be people colouring it in. Yeah. Because I'm tempted. To, I'm almost tempted to buy two. Yes, I'll definitely buy. But even if I just buy one, uh, I'll probably have a crack at it. But yeah. I also just noticed it says coloring book number one. So hopefully we get to see yeah. more of these. Mm. Yeah. So maybe maybe the second or the third one we will see a better distribution um, method. Mm. But you know, and I'm not speaking from a from a fan here, because from a fan and from a collector, we're not going to color it in or we're going to buy two and stuff like that. But the fact that, you know, my kid's got, has got Paw Patrol colouring in books and all that type of stuff. Now, I want her to be, instead of spending money on Paw Patrol, or me spending my money on Paw Patrol, <laughs> I want to be spending money on the Phantom. And I want to be indoctrinating her. And colouring in books are great. Kids love colouring in books, but they need to get their hands on it. Mm. Anyway, moving on. So the other bit of um, stuff that you can buy is the apron. So, Stephen, you've got your apron, is that correct? Uh, no, I've been to the comic book oh. shop a couple of times and I've seen it sitting on the shelf and I just didn't have the 35 bucks to, to, to pick them up. But they look so, awesome in the apron <laughs> in the, on the shelf. Mm. <laughs> We've seen some fun photos with uh, some of the free crew crew. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, wearing them with uh, Dudley and Renee and stuff, and they look, they look like fun. Um, I'll be picking mine up in Sydney as well. I reckon they're, they're great. I'm assuming you're going to be picking yours. Oh, you've already got yours, haven't you, Dan? Yeah, I was lucky enough to have a birthday this week, and um, I was given the apron for my birthday, so uh, very, very chuffed with that. It looks great. I've, I've pulled it out, uh, I got it early in the week and then we had a, a family gathering over the weekend and I wore it around for a bit and it was, uh, yeah, good talking point. People love the oven mitt and uh, that, that goes with it. Are you going to use it? For what? <laughs> what, protecting myself while I barbecue? No, God no. <laughs> I'm going to use it to walk around in and, and get comments, but I, that's about the... <laughs> I thought you were going to say, no, that's the wife's job to cook. <laughs> oh, no, no, I'm happy to cook. That's the... Uh, I need to... Say, I would love a... Oh, <laughs> getting greedy now. If I had a second apron, I would definitely use one, but if, while I've only got one, no, it needs to stay in pristine condition. I, did, I had put it out um, of the pack, though, so... <laughs> The um the uh, comic shop owner that, that I go to here here in Ballarat, every time I go in there, she's now she's always wearing the apron. Yeah. Oh wow! Oh, that's <laughs> so cool. That's great. Yeah. So she's yeah she wears the apron and she's got um 
one of the puzzles on the go. That like is she's got awesome. Table set up, and so yeah. So she's doing her bit for the Phantom. That's uh, good. So she got that crew, set crew, up so you, people can just walk yeah. in and do a few bits on the puzzle. Yep. As soon as you walk in through the door, it's there right there on your left. Oh, that's great. That is. You should yeah. ha- you should take a photo of it next time you're there and put it up because that that's a great idea f- from a comic book store. And do people like put stuff in and do a couple of pieces and that? Well, someone has been because it's nearly complete. <laughs> <laughs> well, my boys go in. <laughs> we're on it um, yesterday morning. Um, my youngest boy, Jeremy, he loves puzzles. Anyway, he was starting to pick bits off. <laughs> pull it apart. And, um, yeah, pull it apart. <laughs> no, 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 mate. Yeah, this huge bloody puzzle. Yeah, one day, mine's on lay-by, mate. <laughs> wait, wait for a couple of weeks. <laughs> no, that is awesome. So, as most people will be aware, um, there is a lot more stuff to buy in Supernova. Now, we will be covering all of that in our next podcast, which will be released the week of Supernova. Yeah, in the lead-up to Or the weekend before. Yep. Um, So, we're not going to go over it all now because... Let's just face it, we can't, yeah, we don't have that much time. (laughs) We spent too much time talking about it in the next podcast, I think. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's about an hour, we we spent about an hour to an hour and a half in the next podcast um, (laughs) talking about Sydney and Supernova, so it it was great one. You guys did this the other night, didn't you? Yeah. Oh, a peek behind the um, curtain, yes. (laughs) (laughs) We do, a lot of times we do a lot of podcasts over the place um so yeah the one that we recorded on friday is actually going to be the one after this one so yeah no it was good and we got a special guest as well okay so now let's go through some publisher news we got a special guest yes you'll find out when you listen to it (laughs) okay so let's let's fly through these publisher news we we don't have to tell you everything steven (laughs) <laughs> Here am I, slaving away, finishing off an essay, and you guys have got special guests. <laughs> well, they have to be special to be able to cover for you, don't they? Ah, there we go. Well Thanks, Jermaine. <laughs> okay, so flying through the publisher news. Um, again, these are all on the website. We just want to make mention of it to, um, you know, highlight it again. So we'll go on to Fruit. So we have uh, Philip Madden, who is a, uh, a Phantom podcast friend and also um, a Norwegian or no, a Swedish uh, writer, last name Anderson, who are creating stories for through, specifically for through. Are they due out later this year, do we know, or next year? To be honest, I'm not really sure. I know, I think from memory... Uh, Philip Madden's script and also um, the other ones, or script or scripts, have gone to the artists. So maybe early next or maybe early next year, late this year. And it's worth um, noting but that both, both of these guys have written for Phantom Men or Phantom Met in the past. Uh, no, so Madden has he's written for Phantom, you know, Phantom Men or Team Egmont. Uh, Anderson has written for Team Egmont, but not for Team Phantom Men. So this would be his first official Phantom story. He has submitted a few stories to uh, Team Egmont for Phantom stories, 
but um, for various reasons, they haven't been published. Um, I don't think that's due to them being crap. I think it's just uh, due to them uh, not having already having too many stories. Yeah, yeah they must have um, 100 submitted. Yeah, they do. Uh, and we've we've had a peek behind the curtain about that when we've talked to Philip and also uh, uh, Sem as well. Yeah. So when they've when they've talked about how many they've submitted and how long it took and stuff like that as well. So um, some other news is the free graphic novel, which um, caught everyone out a little bit. Just don't have a good memory. They've spoken about that ages ago. Yes, yes, they have. Um, also, which isn't on the news, but we will make mention of it, is the um, the Lightning Strikes uh, comic is out. Uh, it will be available on Fans Vault in probably the next uh, week or so. I haven't had official word, but I expect it to maybe be available um, at Supernova, maybe. Um, so I guess... What I'm going to be doing is going there, and if it's available, I'll be buying it. Otherwise, I'll probably, you know, buy it on the website and pay for postage. Mm. Um, so that is going to be available on Fans Vault. We've done a review on it, and we'll talk a little bit more about it in the next one, but I just wanted to make mention of that there as well. And I think in terms of I, news, the, the big event for them was the uh, yes. launch party, which they had yesterday, and we've... Seen a couple of photos leak out on Facebook from that, and um, Owen McCauley, who's the publisher at Lightning Strike, has uh, said that he's going to send us um, some more photos and a bit of a report from the, the launch party, um, so that we'll publish that on, on chroniclechamber.com as well, and yes. uh, everyone can find out about that. And I think a lot of people are hoping that Phantom's Vault are also able to pick up as many of the origin strip postcards and the badges that they also yes. had made up. Um, so hopefully those will all come across to us by Phantom's Vault as well. Yes, definitely. Now some events. So the art show's moving. Um, Dan, do you want to quickly make mention of that? Yeah. You've got an update from Deepmar. Yeah, for sure. So um, Friday the 9th, and I'm certainly hopeful that this podcast will be out before Friday the 9th. If you're in the Newcastle area or can get to Newcastle, I think that uh, Friday the 9th is going to be uh, just a sensational opening night from everything that I can gather. I'm not as um, I'm not as aware of things because I'm not going, and uh, the Newcastle Art Gallery have been a bit quiet in terms of talking to me, But and, and Peter and Dietmar are obviously very, very busy. Um, it's the 40th anniversary of the Newcastle Art Gallery as well, and um, one of the very first shows at the Newcastle Art Gallery was um, Peter's Phantom Art Show in one of its initial incarnations back in 1977. So uh, it's a huge deal. I've seen we've seen some of the uh, plans for the internal um, setup. Um, that looks like they've got a massive skull cave type arrangement planned. Um, the banner that's on the outside of the Newcastle Art Gallery is huge and uh, big, big phantom splash there as well. So the party on Friday night is going to be awesome, but uh, if you can't make it to that, um, it, the the show will be in the Newcastle area for a month, I think, or so. Um, and even if you've seen it before, you need to get along and have another look at it because it's going to be very, very different and much, much bigger than what we've seen before. Awesome. Okay, so... Let's bring uh, that show down to Victoria. 
Well, <laughs> the, the oh, money. Really? I, I think that, I have a feeling that Peter and Deep Mara are just quietly looking forward to it all being over after it's uh, after it's been to <laughs> Sydney, which is the the next and last uh, incarnation as it, as it's planned. Um, it's certainly gone uh, on a lot longer than they had planned or, or thought when they first started it. Um, yeah, so we've loved it, but it's been a, 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 a big labour of love for those guys. Also, you got to remember that they are Sydney people and. Sydney don't like Melbourne. Well, don't take it to Melbourne. Take it to Ballarat. <laughs> <laughs> no vested interest there. Okay, well, at least so... Mildura. Mildura's right there on the, on the border. I don't mind going to Mildura. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So a um, couple of other bits of news is the Swedish Wilson McCoy expedition has also closed down for the last week as well. Uh, and then also... Must be that time of the year. Um, also, Hero Complex has concluded as well. So, um, big shout out to everyone involved with those two, with their help um, and their time with some fanboy questions and stuff like that. So, that's been good. Now you can't, okay. you can't just, no, 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 no. You can't just gloss over Hero Complex closing uh, like that because um, we saw a little Facebook video shot in a suburban. Uh, suburban Perth, where a certain Jay Parker hosted Sammy Jay and Duncan as they came and had a look around your around your Skull Cave germ. Well, I didn't want to bring it up because like you didn't talk to me for a week once you found out <laughs> that I was um, catching up with um, Sammy Jay. You were very very jealous, and um, oh, no doubt of you, even, I was. <laughs> you even you um, even voiced your displeasure to Sam as to Sammy as well, and because that's what he said. He said, "Look." We have to do a video for the sole purpose to make Dan Fraser <laughs> jealous. I, I have a so, feeling there's a fair bit of artistic license being taken here, but that's okay. Look, no, the main reason I didn't want to talk to you why about I it. I kind of glossed it over is because no, no, I didn't no. want to, like, you know, I'll give you enough ribbing that your football team sucks and, <laughs> you know, that you're a country hick from Queensland and stuff like that. I didn't want to, like, keep rubbing it in. All right, I'm going to ignore all of those things. I'm going to say... <laughs> And he's old. Well, here's me trying to give you an opportunity to say, look, I, I haven't <laughs> talked to you about it because I wanted to hear all about it from you here, fresh and original on the podcast. You've, come on, you've got to give us a couple of minutes what it was like to have uh, Sammy J, yes, but also Duncan, who's a huge celebrity in his own right, certainly in the fandom world, actually come over and, and step into your, into your fandom room and go through the collection. Give us a, give us a bit of a, uh, an insight into what happened there. Well, um, all right, so, yeah, they messaged me during the week and said, oh, look, you know, we've got some time free Saturday, Arvo. You know, could we come over? And I said, yeah, yeah, not a problem. So they came over. Um, I think originally they were going to spend maybe about an hour uh, I think they spent it about three hours, and by then it was still like, um, you know, like I almost had to kick him out because they actually had to kind of get back into town and get ready for the show that night. Um, <laughs> uh, they spent pretty much the whole time in the room, just like they were pulling out drawers, going through all the folders. And like we were all like kids in a candy store. It was it was great fun. Um, as anyone would know who has a phantom person come over, there's not many of us around when we get together and you can spend a couple of hours going through a collection, swapping stories, um, 
you know, finding out, oh, I've got that, where did you get that from, and, you know, all that type of stuff. It, it was good fun. Um, and, yeah, you know, it, it was good to catch up with them, you know, and stuff like that. But it, it was good just catching up with fandom, you know, fandom, fellow fandom friends and just having fun together because, let's face it, we are, there's not many of us, and when we can get together, it is good fun. Awesome. Actually, on, on that, um, and this probably doesn't have much to do with Sammy J, but this is more to go with um, there's not many of us. Um, around the time of the, the Melbourne International Comedy Festival, which I, I didn't get to see Hero Complex there, but I just happened to be walking through Crown Casino, and um, there was another Phantom fan. Well, he had the Phantom T-shirt on. So if you're listening, random Phantom dude, and you remember that bloke who had his kids with him and said, hey, nice T-shirt, that was me. Here's your shout out on the podcast. So, um, <laughs> if you're listening it's to this, make a comment on the on the Facebook and something like that. And um, yeah, all thumbs up. Very good. But it is. It's it's good to you know. It is. It's and it's always fun. It's fun showing off your collection, but it's also fun hanging out with other fans. And that's the good thing about the Sydney trip, which we again we don't want to give too much away for the next podcast. But um, yeah, it was good fun. It was good fun. I think I think my wife was probably um, my wife was very nervous. Very, um, she was probably more starstruck than me because you know they're just fellow fan fans. You know, uh, the wife was a bit starstruck to be honest. And my daughter, she was a little bit upset that there was people in her room. Um, as far as what she was concerned, <laughs> she gave um, she gave a couple of them some dirty dirty looks. <laughs> but yes uh it was good fun um you know so if anyone's ever in perth and they got a spare time or something and they want to come and have a look at the phantom room uh or whether you're in you know you know there's other fans around and stuff like that hit each other up and mm. um because it's good fun catching up with each other you're one of the top three tourist destinations in Perth now, as I understand it. <laughs> well, um, I can't. Margaret River was one of them. That's not in Perth. That is a must. That is that is a must place to go and visit Margaret River. Um, the Swan River. It's just a river. Uh, let's be honest. Uh, the Phantom Room. Well, that's not just the Phantom Room. <laughs> no, <laughs> it is so much more. Uh, that's awesome did you lick Um, it let's move on to (laughs) sorry what did you say well you've been following his um, his other um, things he's been doing he's been licking buildings did you give your room a lick the the, (laughs) the lick of approval no he didn't give my room a lick Um, I thought at one stage I might have had to pat him down um, but <laughs> before they left, just to see, yeah, just to see if uh, um, anything went missing. <laughs> but no, no licking, no patting down. Um, okay, so um, uh, better comic in your pocket, or you're just happy to see. <laughs> All right, okay, free comics. Let's get started on free comics. So that's that's the end of the news, is it? We're into the comics? That's the end of the news. Okay, so the first one is 1780, which is number four in the Phantom's world. Now, do you guys remember this? I had a quick squeeze over it 
um, just before recording. It was so long ago. <laughs> this was back in April, wasn't it? Like I said, it has been a while. It has been a while. Uh, yeah, I I, um, I I really enjoyed it at the time. Like Stephen, I also had to flick over it again today, knowing we were recording, and um, I, I really enjoyed this story. Like it, it's very entertaining. I love the fact that it's set in the jungle. I really enjoy the the jungle tales of the Phantom. Um, I, I obviously I like him anywhere, but uh, the jungle is his home, and uh, that's they're some of the uh, the best stories as far as I'm concerned. Uh, so I, yeah, I really enjoyed the story. Yeah, I said here enjoyable story. Like, um, you know, the tribe blinded by rage, wanting to seek revenge in any way possible, you know, their, their, their blood's boiling, and, and Phantom with a couple of um, well-placed skull marks, you know, he lets cooler heads prevail, and um, that Mayfi is, is a bastard, that guy. He's, he's a good bad guy. Yeah. No, it's, yeah. I, like, I like a good bad guy in a story. It really helps to make the story, and when we get to the next um, yeah, to Pirates of the Red Dragon, that's, um, oh. yeah, talking about bad guys. Yeah, well, bad girl. Anyway, back on the fan as well. I'll quickly talk about it, and then we can move on there because I think that's going to be something we will spend most of the night talking about. Um, I also I enjoyed it. It's it's an you get phantom stories that are your classics, the ones that you will read over and over and over, like the Pirates of the Red Dragon, the Sing Brotherhood. Um, you know, and then there's also that Egmont version as well. Phantom goes to war, so you have those stories that you just read and you devour all the time. And then you have those fun stories that you read, you know, because you turn off the football or you want something to read while you're on the toilet, or you know, or at a doctor you take something to the doctor's surgery. That's just that fun, enjoyable story that. Is not is mind numbing where you can escape for a little bit. That's what this one is. Yeah. Um, I probably enjoyed it's it more a good, than that. But. Yeah, I'll, I enjoyed it. The art's fun, but you know, it's not. I wouldn't call it a classic mm. by any stretch of the imagination. It's yeah. nothing out of the ordinary that make, that stands out amongst the rest. But it is a good, solid B B plus story that you will enjoy when you read it. Mm. I really liked Tadaro's artwork. Very clean lines. It's um, beautifully done. And the, he seemed to have a bit of a variety in the panel sizes on every page. There was one taller portrait one. There was, there was a big square panel um, on a page. And just that variety right throughout. Obviously, that's something that you can do in the comic books rather than the comic strips. And uh, I thought he used that technique really, really well. Yes. Now, this was done in the 60s, I believe. So you got to... You got to remember, yeah, this being in the '60s was would have been quite um, revolutional with the different panel sizes, the art quality, and stuff like that. Um, it's you know, I I enjoy Phantom's World, not so much because of the stories, but to see the quality, to see these stories that have never been produced before. In my opinion, that's what I enjoyed most about Phantom's World. Plus, seeing you know, seeing him for the first time in English, rather than the actual stories. Like stories are good. Yeah, I I wonder though, seeing these Phantom's World, how much longer they're going to be part of the regular numbering, and whether they're going to start to break out on um, and, and become their own. 
you know, separate sort of entity? Um, that, that's my question about them because I think that they're starting. Now, is, that to... a, is that a question because you know something? No, it's, I don't know anything. I'm, I'm speculating. I've got, you know, you, you read the tea leaves and you can see a few things coming and whatever. And I just, I have a feeling it wouldn't surprise me if by the time we get to, you know, Phantom's World 7, 8, 9, 10, if suddenly they, they are just Phantom's World and they're not, you know, issue number 1780 or anything like that. So, um, yeah, I think that would be a good idea. I don't know if it's a good We've idea got... or not. I just think that's what they'll do. I think it's a, um, it will make it complicated in the sense with the whole signature series and, you know, people having to buy other issues and, and mm. stuff with subscriptions and stuff like that. That will probably be the hardest thing about it. Mm. But I, I like the idea in the sense that we've got Kid Fan and we've got now the Giant Size, which we'll talk about, and in the fans' world. Mm. Then you can, you know, you've got that all separate. Then you can just focus on you know, the regular fandom stuff. Um, a lot of other... I remember as a kid, I tried to get into Spider-Man. Now, I'm not an expert in this, in Marvel or anything like that, by any stretch of the imagination, so please bear with me. But I remember as a kid where it was kind of like you had the regular series and then you had all of the, the specials or the standalone series that were kind of released elsewhere, which, you know, you could pick and choose what you wanted to read or collect. Mm. Um, where I think, I reckon they will be thinking about it, like you said, and, um, yeah, I could see it working. As long as it still came out in newsagents and they didn't start doing a colouring yes. type of thing and match about it, yes. and it's only on the <laughs> website, it still needs to be coming into newsagents. Yes, yes, agree. I'm just on your point with um, Spider-Man, my youngest fella, he, he really likes Spider-Man. I don't know where he got it from, but keen on Spider-Man. So when we were in the shops for um for a free comic book day, he picked up a Spider-Man um, comic. And it was the like aimed at uh, kids. Like I think it's um, based off the, the TV show that's on Disney or something like that. Spidey, um, the one that's just called Spidey. Nah, uh, some Sinister Six or something like that. Oh, it was. Okay. And what's inside it? Like there's word searches in there and spot the differences and connect the dot type activities that are you know really aimed at the kids. So. Um, Prue, if you're listening, here's another idea for um <laughs> for a kid for kid fandom, and here's an idea for a Fru Crew badge. Oh, Add these little dots, dots and word searches. Something that you know it helps break. Well, in um in that comic, it break it break the story up a little bit, like you know, like an ad break, I suppose. Mm. But it didn't have any like that's been a big thing that I've always had against Marvel or DC, or the amount of and Dynamite because that's one we read. The phantom, the amount of ads that are, that take up the pages, but I, I didn't really see ads in this, but I saw activities for the kids to do, and um, maybe that's something that um they could um, get into the kid phantom. Mate, you're really desperate for these um, free crew badge, aren't you? Mate, I just came up with that idea just then. That's how. <laughs> that's All right, well, he's just spitting out ideas left and right. He can't be stopped. Oh. That's right. I actually I was working on another idea um, today, knowing that we're recording, and I've just nixed that one because I reckon that one's better. So, uh, <laughs> well, you can save that other one for the next podcast because you. Yeah, um, because I won't get I another. Think every, one. <laughs> yeah, every podcast you uh, you come up with an idea to try and get your free crew badge. Yep. There's only one way to there's only one way to stop him. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They know. Please, can you give them a badge just so we can uh, not have to hear about it? We'll even pay for the badge. <laughs> oh, don't pay for it. That taints it. All right, moving on. Now we're going to move. um, We've got Pirates of the Red Dragon Part One, Two, and Three. So Pirates of the Red Dragon Part One, One Seven Eight One. Guys, thoughts? Well, overall, before we say everything, I reckon the the whole thing's an awesome story, and it's begun well in, in with Part One. What I really like about um, part one, um, it's like two stories in one. Uh, first, he saves yes. the village and then um, saves the girl. Like in a lot of comics, that you know, saving the village would be the would be one story, saving the girl would be another story. It moves on at such a cracking pace that so you get two stories um, in the one issue, and I, I'm, it was, I thought it was excellent. Yes, that's a very good point about that. Now, the, this whole series reminds me of. The best way I could describe it is kind of like a James Bond movie of the 70s or 80s. And also, like, you know how you had those? I've you know read, how you I've had those? That, that for part three. i James Bond. <laughs> yeah. Or you have those 80s movies and 70s movies where you've, you know, you've got a little bit of the nudity for the, you know, for the titular experience. And you've got the big action. You've got the big stories and the over-the-top stories. And you've got the hero and... It's like reliving my childhood. Instead of watching a classic '80s movie, it's a, you know, it's a classic '80s um, comic. I really enjoyed it, but it was a great point that that you had about the first part being almost two stories. Yeah, I really liked that too, and that was that was a really good way to, to sort of bring the fandom into um, this this storyline with Princess Sin and all the rest of it. The, the scenes where Garan and the Phantom are tracking this panther that's harassing the village and that sort of thing, that really, that took me back to some classic Lee Fork stories, like Tiger Tiger, mm. for instance, um, really had, the whole the whole comic had a lot of those Lee Fork tropes, I thought, you know, that hunting, um, yeah. the way that he was scaring the bad guys in the, the Wambi village, um, the fact that, you know, uh, he, he does the scaring and then sends back the Bandar, we'll take care of them from here. Um, they're delivered to the Jungle Patrol with notes pinned to their chests. You know, there's... That's yes. really good, classic, classic stuff. Yes. Totally agree. So what do you guys think about Princess Sin? Well, she's evil as, I don't know, something that's really evil. as Evil as pirates can get, I, I suppose. And um, she's got a nice backstory. Well, I'm going to say nice. It, it seems to be decently fleshed out. Um, yeah, fleshed out. Um, <laughs> hang on, hang on. Did, I hear what? Did you just say she's got a nice backside? Backstory. Oh, backstory. I was just Bloody thinking, hell, oh my gosh, where did this conversation go? <laughs> your, your, your mind's in the gutter. You just can't get over the fact there's boobs out in the comic. But really, sometimes you know some, sometimes you don't. And it, it's a great We're story. We're talking about the backstory again, right? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. There's, but um, no, the backstory. Yeah. I totally agree. Yeah, so she she's a yeah a real she she's got she's a character that has character, you know she's yes. um, three dimensional, so so much so she poke your eyes out. Um, <laughs> there's been some heavy editing there, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
that's just um, one big bloopers reel right there, and, and I think you just have to leave it in. <laughs> but, but no, like, she reminds me of, you know, the classic 40s villainesses? So you've got the Golden Circle, you've got the Cyban, the Cyban, the Skyband, uh, Sala, or Diana in Norway, um, but that's another story. Um, you know, you've got all these classic female villains that gave the Phantom lots of trouble, not only with the headaches, but, you know, trying to keep Diana away from them as well. The Marshall sisters, it was a little bit different. It was like a throwback to that. Like, and you may mention with the classic Phantom elements and stuff like that, but that's what I'll, you know, she's, she was, she's a very worthy villain. Mm-hmm. And all those points you just say, I agree with them, and she just ramped it all the way up to 11. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, part one, it's kind of like, like you know how like, sometimes like you read or you watch something and it's like, oh, well, that was really good. I don't know how you're going to be able to top that or, you know, like with the sequel or make it better and, you know, and all the Avenger movies have kind of gotten worse where these ones, this has, this, this, this goes, this... Part one, part two, and part three go up in levels. It's a masterpiece. Wow. Masterpiece. It, seriously, it is some of my, like, I've, um, I've got this story in Swedish or Norwegian, and I've heard a lot about it. And uh, when I heard that this was included in the stories that Fru were going to publish, I got excited. And... I'm very happy that Fru published it. Part two, which is 1782. Oh, actually, first of all, let's say 1781 is a cover by Antonio Lemos, and 1782 is Pirates of the Red Dragon Part Two, and this one is by Jamie Johnson. Okay, Dan, want to tell me your thoughts about Part Two, buddy? Yeah, look, I thought that the story was really, really compelling. Um... It, again, the the, the movement. It, you know, I hadn't thought about the James Bond or, or that sort of movie type thing before um, you guys started mentioning it, and I, and I can absolutely see where you're coming from with that. This part two sort of does border on the edge of believability in a, a little bit, in the sense of that hypnosis idea, and suddenly Diana could be compelled to, um, you know, have a crack at assassinating Lager and all these sorts of things. But um, that said. I thought that they that that was done enough, uh, okay enough to, to be, as I said, just on the edges of believable. Um, yeah, I it was the eighties and seventies. Don't forget, different era. Yeah, seventy nine. I think it was was written. So yeah, um, yeah. No, as I, as I say, happy enough with that. Um, you, you, you've got a you've got a believability to one side a little bit when you read a comic book in the first place. So that's okay. <laughs> um, the I, what I really liked again uh, are, is the inclusion of all of those characters that, um, uh, like Dr. Henry being being in there, it, it was a really nice yes. touch. I thought um, that made it, you know, part of the part of the real Phantom world, if you like. So, I do have a couple of criticisms, but um, I will. Well, what are they? Tell us those before we move on. Oh uh, well, the well, when I say a couple of criticisms, it's one real, it's one thing that happened twice, and that's on on page twenty nine, Princess Sin. Uh, uses the word arse, as in what an arse, or something like that, when, when the Phantom shoots out the, the camera. 
and and I wasn't. It was almost cut off as if, yeah, that arse I wanted to see him die. Um, wasn't real happy with that, and then that was compounded on the last page when Diana, of all people, says, "If I ever see that bitch who tried to take my husband away from me, that's that's not the sort of language that I like to see in Phantom Comics, to be to be honest." And I know those are very low level uh, profanities, but uh, Diana saying saying that, yeah, I, I wasn't as fussed with that. So um, other than that, like I really enjoyed the story. Those two things just sort of stuck in my craw a little bit. Yeah, uh, to be honest, that I don't, I don't know, and I, I wonder. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's neither there or or there. It's, I don't know. It's not the biggest, not my biggest um, concern. To be honest, this is this story is very adult in mm. the sense of the elements, and I'm not just talking about you know the backstory of her, um, which Stephen was talking about before. Yeah, I don't know. That wasn't really an issue for me. What about you, Stephen? Was that an issue for you? Lee Fork would never have Diana talk like that. Uh, That's right. Yeah. <laughs> now that you've uh, drawn my attention to it, has that happened a couple of times, or, or has it just been so long since I originally read the story? Like, in regards to Diana saying things that we wouldn't think she'd say. But, that, that was probably I the one that really stood out to me. Yeah. yeah. She w- Now, she wasn't happy when the Phantom was... Um, uh, kissing and going, uh, going through the cyber and stuff like that. I also think it's like, like what, like maybe what I like is the fact that Diana's got a, a very integral part of the story. Like, mm. you know, it's not just the normal, oh, I'm kidnapped, help rescue me type of storyline. Like there is that, but there's a little bit more involved in that. Mm. And I like to see Diana showing a bit of attitude. Now, maybe it's too much attitude, maybe it's the word, but, you know, I like Diana of the 40s and the 30s where, you know, she was punching guys, where, you know, she was looking after, able to look after herself. And, I don't know, maybe we see a little bit of that again. Mm. Um, one other little point about the story. Luaga, he's very forgiving. Isn't he? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. If someone had shot me, I don't care if they were hypnotised or not. I don't know if I'd be that forgiving, my goodness. Mm. Well, maybe, because this was was before they were married, so maybe they said, oh, we'll let you officiate our wedding. No, no. Were they married then? They make the point that, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, 79, yeah, 70, yeah. Love's stronger for his wife than it is for... um, Yeah, Yeah. true, true. On page page seven, and Diana too, you remember that he came to our wedding. Yep, yep, no, that's true. My bad. Yeah, there's, on page six, there's actually a, a, a panel of the wedding, so. <laughs> there you go. Um, there you go. Like, this one, they also had the more uh, elements, like the monkey mail, the, yes. thro- the skull throne. Mm. Um, so it's it's full of those fan elements that we love. Yeah, so. Uh, anything else you wanted to add, sorry? Oh, just. Uh, Really got to tip your hat to Norman Worker, who's the the author of these these three stories, and uh, he's clearly immersed in fandom lore, at, certainly in 1979 when he wrote it. Yes, very much so. We also see like we also with Princess Sin, we see like a we see like a, a different side of her as well, and I'm not just um, like there's like there's the real vicious side of her on page you know three and four. 
and then you know, and then there's the there's the the love sick puppy on mm. on page five, um, which where it gets the real jealousy coming out of it, and then there's um, you know when she's trying to seduce the phantom on page nineteen, twenty, twenty one, you know there's that side, and then she kind of flips again and where she's you know wanting to see them die and stuff like that. It's um, uh, she'd be a real handful. Let's um, put it that way. I do worry for her mental health um, a little bit, and yeah. I'll, I'll probably refer to that again when we talk about uh, part three. Yeah, I um, I love the part where the fan and rolls her up in a rug. In a rug, yeah. Classic. I half expected him to uh, put her over her shoulder and um, give her a good spanking like he did with some of the other women in the 30s and 40s. Yeah. Might have not been as politically correct in 1979, but um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I I enjoy it. It 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 set the story up for a good final part. Yes. Okay, let's move to one seven eight three. Now this is uh, the final part, and it is also done by a artist, Chris Wall. Oh, the cover. W-A-H-L, the cover, sorry. Yep. Uh, and this is the first time he has ever done a cover for free. Mm-hmm. And it's also got another PG rating. Part two did not have a PG rating, and that's because yep. despite the G-string and the seductive dance, uh, she had to be to be blunt. Clothing of some sort. Nipple covers, basically. <laughs> um, <laughs> suction covers. Do you reckon that they... Were they drawn on ladder to keep the pe- to keep it out of PG? Was it some sort of thing? Nah, I don't reckon so. They're just there. Yeah. No, the, the difference between one so. and three is that you did see um, completely bare breasts, uh, whereas two it didn't. So that seems to be the line where the PG rating comes in. Because otherwise, it's certainly hmm. you could certainly argue that that, uh, as you said, Jermaine, it went on for three pages. This seductive dance that was going on. So you could argue that that was every little bit as requiring of the PG rating as. Uh, just the one panel of the bare breasts in part one. Yeah, well, we get like three or four pages of it in mm. part three. So, guys, what are your what are your thoughts on the story? Going back to those classic uh, folk um, elements, the throwback to uh, Muka, the, the slave markers of Muka, that or yeah. Little, yeah. yeah, that's just great. Then hooks are focused in straight away. Um, well, but it should. Yes, it did. Um, it did good, <laughs> so I like that. There was a good link there. Um, well, I've also got terrorist nuns. I thought that was a nice little. Um, <laughs> that was a good pick. The, uh, there was a, a conversation between the pilots on page seventeen, um, which kind of like helps you to rehash what, what's happened in the first two parts. But you know, kind of like those who came in late. I thought it was a nice touch. The James Bondish escapes were fantastic. I, I really like that. I've got a big negative, and that's on um, page 31. It's it's the kiss. It's absolute crap. It's mm. nearly enough to ruin the whole story. Oh, I'm, like, I'm with you on that. Really? Yep. Really, really. That was, yeah, crap, rubbish, you know, poor emoticon or whatever you want to call it, mm. um, or emoji. Yeah. It, is. It, it was um, absolute rubbish. It was the 70s, free love. Nah, BS. That makes no sense. It makes no sense. 
It, like, they've just especially part, after part two. Correct. I was just yeah. about to say part two. They go on and on and on about how he's married to Diana and la la la. I, I'm with you on that. I, I really enjoyed the story. Like the the whole thing, the oh, the right. treasure being donated and then captured and then fan being drawn into a trap and then cunningly led through this test type thing that no one else had ever got through. But then yeah, the last. Oh well, the kiss is obviously the worst of it. But even the last three or four pages when she's got him tied up and then for for no apparent reason, and this is, I mentioned mental health before, she just decides, oh, I'm going to get my kid off while the building falls down around me and stab him or kiss him or God only knows. Um, that just um, made no sense. She was another. Mm. She was another. I reckon the best, like, as much as she was a great character, she was worthy to kind of die in the end. And I, that's one one of the things that I love about the Phantom is that they don't keep don't rely flogging on a dead horse. Yeah, they don't mm. keep flogging a dead horse with a, a bad guy. Like, how many times can you fight the Joker or the mm. you know the Green mm. Goblin and stuff like that? Honestly, yeah. you know, come up with a new character. Um, and that's one of the things that I love about this is, okay, we can argue about the kiss, you know, and, and the nudity, but the way. She died, and the fact that she died in an epic way, like, mm. you know, the whole island was destroyed, <laughs> um, the treasure was lost, and, you know, all of that, that was a worthy ending of probably, you know, which would probably come down to everyone's, one of everyone's favourite bad people. Something we've got to do for the end of the, the year in review podcast, I don't think we've done it for the last couple, but... um. Favorite bad guy. Yeah, and, um, that's, that's Bill right, She'd be right up, there, I reckon. Yeah, she would be. Oh, she would be probably in my. She'll be at least in my top t- uh, twenty, and probably even top ten. She like, and, and as you say, her mental state is all over the place. Mm. Like, um, you know, I had an ex girlfriend that was, you know, a bit crazy, but oh man, she, you know, she looks <laughs> sane comp- compared to this girl. Um, you know, like and. And then you've got the you've got the um, which something we haven't even talked about is you've got the um, uh, the trained assassins um, that are all females and stuff like yeah, that. We yeah. talked about them as the nuns, but yeah. you know, that kind of almost just gets glossed over. And but it's such a great idea. But there's well, so much going on in these stories that you that really did. It's almost me an afterthought. The, the Sky Band and. Um the mermaids of Milo Straits, and the, in these sorts of stories, that the, the idea of a well-trained uh, female villainous group, I think it's something that we we do love to see in our fandom stories. Yes, definitely, definitely. Now, my opinions on the dance from you know twenty nine. I don't, I don't, I don't know. That really, it was yeah, it wasn't probably the best handled. Um, the kiss. Again, surprisingly, it didn't really bother me because really? while the Phantom hasn't kissed other bad people or he has kissed other girls, maybe not since he's been married, but um, I, can, I can see why it will be a problem for many people. But the Phantom Shit. has always been a sucker for a beautiful girl. No, that's yeah, not I, don't, true. I don't know. Uh, nah, you're, you're off your mark here, Jermaine. That's rubbish. Yeah, no, that's fine. You don't have to agree with me. But to say that the Phantom's never been a sucker for a pretty girl's isn't right. No, you he got, hasn't. You've got he the Marshall leave. sisters. 
he doesn't even know that they're in love with him. He's he's oblivious to a pretty girl. That's that's well, a, a fair right. thing. Well, what about in some of the stories when he says goodbye to him? He gives him a big, you know, a big, big kiss, and Diana's not impressed with that. Oh, I'd need to go back and have a look at that. I'm not sure that that's that's certainly not yeah, that's true, mate. Oh, that's well, it's true. Um, oh, it certainly Diana wouldn't be was... a romantic. I love you, and I'm going to miss you. Kiss. It might be a a peck on the cheek. See you later. No, it wasn't a it wasn't a peck on the. Who are you talking about, the Marshall Mouth sisters? on mouth? Yep, mouth on mouth kisses. I'm going to go back in, and read that. I in front of Diana. It would never be in a romantic way. Well, they saw it that as a romantic well, way. Of course they did, yes. And Diana wasn't impressed with it. But the fandom being oblivious to the affections of a pretty girl, that's... like He's, he's shy and bumbling around Diana and doesn't even notice anybody else. That's, good. that's one of the things that I've always liked about the character. Yeah, but my point is that he has always, and, you know, again, this is the error piece. It's not something where a little bit more sense sanitised, say, in the 50s and 60s. This is from the 70s. In the 30s and 40s, now, he wasn't married to Diana. He wasn't engaged or, or married. He has always been a bit of a sucker and tends to... Uh, what would you call it? Um, allow the girls kind of let them get their way. But in saying that, he didn't do that with Governor and Susie. When Susie died, it was just the face. Um, so yeah, and that, so, that was oh, different too because she, yes, she was a bad guy, but um, they spent. She did turn good. Yeah. In in the well, and the Phantom was separated from Diana at the time as well. So it is different. Yeah, yeah, they they went through a lot together, escaping from, um, and she was going to hand herself in, and and all that sort of thing. There was a, there was a rich time together that they spent to form a relationship. There's no relationship here between these two, and the the kiss sort of comes out of absolutely nowhere. Like seconds before, she's threatening to kill him and all the rest of it. You know, short of mouth to mouth, uh, trying to resuscitate her because she's dying. There's no other reason why there should be lip on lip contact. I like. I, I agree. I thought it was a little bit off character, but it didn't bother me. And I have seen similar, similar in other fandom comics, so it didn't bother me as much as it probably has bothered you to. I'll just leave it at that. Fair enough. What about one other thing before we talk about boobs and bums and stuff? Is what did you think about? Um, the last couple of panels on page 34 where where Guren has to basically tell the boys to stay away from the Phantom for a little bit. Yeah, I really liked that. I, I, that's, you like that? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's um, I can I can relate to that where you've got you've got something weighing on your mind or you've or you've got something to process to deal with. You just need to. For me, it's to go for a jog, go for a run, and just get away from everybody. Um, spend some time by yourself and and. Uh, work through something in your own mind. So that was that was very relatable to to me. He will mm. come back to us. I promise you that. Yeah. So, Stephen, same. Yeah, pretty much. Just as long as it's about the whole adventure and, and it's not just about you know giving her a, a big sloppy one. Yeah, and that, that's sort of what he's thinking as he as he picks up his bow and arrow. You know, her life was too mm. strong to ever be tamed, but that world has become the world has become calmer now that she's gone, and it's a relief that it's finally all over. Um, but he still yeah. has to just go and process it. 
Yeah. To do that I, and shoot some. Yeah, and I think it's, I think it shows like even if you look at the two panels before that, it says, "I was also a witness to the princess's death, the most evil, but also the most beautiful woman I've ever seen." The yeah, thing, I don't like that either. You don't like that? Well, it's evil, and I have to rephrase that because it's always Diana who's the most beautiful woman he's ever seen. Correct. Yep. Agreed. Yeah, I, I actually raised that because I was waiting. I wanted to know you were fishing on that one. That and was I, a um, we took that was a probe on on design. Um, the thing that I liked about probably the past the last page and a half was the fact that it the whole ordeal messed with the Phantom. The fact that you know he had to do the adventure, he had to rescue Diana from death and stuff like that, and then, you know, have to go through that whole situation. It was obvious it was a, it had a mental toll on the Phantom. And I and, think it was really good. It was really refreshing for me to be able, for the, mm. for the author to actually have a resolution and time to, to put a resolution, because so, mm. so many of the modern stories, particularly now that they've gone to 22 pages for Egmont, the, the resolution, if you're lucky, is one panel. Um, yeah, but I don't really, I, I, I don't think that you always need a resolution. But I think in this circumstance, the last page and a half is brilliant because mm. it was such an epic story mm. that that page and a half to, in a sense, catch your breath for the reader, but also to be to able to have breath. an ins. Yeah, to be, but you know we saw a real human side to the Phantom, and that was brilliant. But I think I don't think you know I wouldn't want to see a whole page and a half on resolution for every story because it would be a waste of time and space. Yeah, I, I don't know about that. It may be like you say, a page and a half is maybe over the top. But I like a resolution to a story because often that's where you get these little insights into the Phantom, and then we wouldn't have seen Garan and the boys, and if not for this, it's it's that's how you get to place him back in his world and all that sort of stuff. So um, that's mm. that's how you make the Phantom the Phantom and not just any old adventurer who could be anybody going through the same, you know, the same set of circumstances. So do you think we don't see the human side of the Phantom enough? Not in the modern stories, I don't think, especially the Scandinavian stuff. What about you, Stephen? Uh, I think you, you, you still do. Um, I thought... Dan's comment there is speaking like a true focus. You know, he's against the, um, <laughs> the Scandinavian stuff. <laughs> uh, give him a bit of a go, I reckon. Um, uh, um, he really is the resident uh, <laughs> grand, grandfather on the podcast, isn't he? Now that I've got a four at the start of my age, I, I, it's time to become a little bit more crotchety. Oh, you are old. <laughs> oh, old man. Old man Dan. <laughs> no, I, I stand by it. I... I, I, I Genuinely, th- I'll be interested to see next time we see a, a fresh Egmont story or whatever, and, and in fact we are about to when we look at the mystery of, of the Ivory Crown. That's a um, that the next one that was only recently published by Egmont, so I guess that'll be a, a good point of comparison immediately. But um, it, that's going to be something I'll sort of keep an eye on now that we, now that it's come up. Um, mm. How is those those structures work out in the uh, Scandinavian stories? No worries. So what about the covers of Covers were brilliant. Yeah. Covers were fantastic. The, the only thing I'd, I'd knock the covers on is that they weren't all wraparound. Um, and that's a very small criticism. The covers were brilliant. 
Yeah. I'll say that, um, and and I don't I don't I haven't read anything from uh, Lemos to say what he thought of the covers of the others, um, but I have read what Jamie Johnson thought. I've got no qualms in saying that the covers got steadily better. One two one, then two, then three was. Three is going to be hard to pip um, for me. For it's one of the best covers I think I've ever seen on a fandom. Mm. Um, really, and, and I hear what you're saying about it not being a wraparound. That's the only one of the three that's not a wraparound, and it's disappointing because the well, it doesn't have so a back good. cover. Sorry. Yeah. Well, number one's not a wraparound, but it's got a back cover. Where number three doesn't have a back cover, or is a wraparound. Yeah. Okay. Fair call. Um, yeah, and I'm, and I'm also I'm, I'm just trying to think of it. Um, I'm looking at all the comics uh, for this session as a, as a whole. I, I really like all the all the covers that have been fantastic. Mm. But yeah, that, as you say, part three, yeah, that, that's going to be very very hard. So what grabs it for you is it the fact that there's uh, the action pose of the fan and the colours or the girl or uh, what? What's the elements that grabs you? Well, I think the first thing that grabs me is is the, the whole red tone to the whole cover. Yeah. That's that's unusual for a start. Then her eyes are just piercing, just piercing. The glare, the the, the bright blue uh, as contrast to the rest of it. The 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 fact that she's holding the dagger in such an aggressive way, and it's a uh, I, I'm not a knife specialist, but it's a the wobbly blade, not the straight blade. Um, I love that. <laughs> Obviously, that's a technical term for it. That's right. Uh, the flowing. I'm hair, sure there's. Yeah. It's it's the attention to detail and the necklace. Obviously, the uh, physique is very strong, and um, whilst she's clearly nude or virtually nude, it's not. No, she's got a necklace on. Yeah, and she's got a, a g-string <laughs> by the look of it. But other than that, you know, it's not it's not gratuitously done. Um, yeah. It's and then okay, so she's in a, a position of power. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, the snake is is very impressive, and then the phantom, even though he's almost an afterthought in the picture, when you focus on him as a as a figure. That's an incredibly dynamic and powerful pose and just really well proportioned, I think. You know, I th- a lot of modern, uh, sorry, a lot of old school Phantom fans will probably be disappointed in how muscular he is there. That is a bit unrealistic, I suppose, but... Um, it's not as, it's not the most muscular Phantom, whereas, as, uh, as, as, um, Stephen would like to say, uh, a condom full of walnuts. That's right. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, He's not the he's not the worst one we've seen, but no. he's um he, yeah he's def like his arms are big and his chest's big, but yeah. I've seen musclier, worse. Yeah. Phantom. And then to be honest, but I, I like a strong looking phantom though. Yeah, and it was only after I've read the story that then I noticed the nuns probably, and it, it's good to see them represented mm. on the front cover as well. So it's it's mm. a really powerful cover, and um, yep. uh, if this is this is Wall's first one, and gee, I hope. We see him produce a lot more because this is outstanding. Yeah. And, For me, and it was the Jamie colour. Johnson will have absolutely no problems with me saying that I thought that his was not. Um, his is really good. I loved it. Um, he'll have no problems with me saying that I thought Walls was the pick of the three because um, he was pretty much in awe of it too. Mm. Definitely. For me, it was the colour. Yeah. Stephen? Yeah, the, the colour is very 
you know, different. It's like having a, a red mist or a purple mist, um, or purple haze. There you go, a bit of um, <laughs> a bit of Hendrix. Yeah, so it's like you know, everything's so striking, but rather than being as, as bold uh, as, as a normal cover, like say for Jamie Johnson, it's like it's got that that red mist over over the top of it. But now that I've really now that I've said that, you look at the Phantom and he's very clear, mm. whereas um, Princess in the, the the nuns and the and the snake are, are kind of like behind that mist, whereas the um, the Phantom pops out um, in front. Mm. All right, guys. So let's talk about boobs and bums. What well, you've been waiting? You, you love talking about boobs and bums. <laughs> Dan and I, we've just we've had a few stories there, this you, year. You just can't stop. And then, and I know I'm going to probably get a bit of ribbing for this. Um, now let's talk about some boobs and bums. So, guys, what are your opinions on the story with the nudity involved? Now we talked a little bit about it in our last podcast with uh, the wedding gifts and stuff. Where do you guys sit with this one? Look, if you've got nudity there that's not that does nothing to add to the um, the story or to the character, then there's no need for it. Um, we, we spoke about the backstory of, of Princess Sin. Um, she's had a very messed up life. Um, she thinks that this is the only way that um, she should behave to the, to the family. You know, how could he not find me attractive when I look like this? And she, wants to, you know, she seems to want to um, parade herself a bit that way. To, to me, it adds to the character. It doesn't take away from the story. If it wasn't there, would the story still be good? Yes. However, I don't think it takes away from the story. Does it add to the story? It adds to her character somewhat, but then a skimpy bikini might do the same thing. Yeah, I, I as I said with the wedding gifts, I didn't think it was... Um added anything then and, and if anything was over the top and look obviously George Bess um, when he drew this he clearly loves to draw um, good looking women and, and voluptuous women um, part one where they're establishing the backstory and they've got here she is as a dancer and, and she built herself up from there um, you know it, it's justified and it's part of, of who she is and as Stevens just said part of her character development understanding that she has this power over men because of what she looks like and then using that and trying mm. to continue to use that makes sense to me. Um, I think some of the outfits in part one, you know, she's... What about the wet- bath scene in part one? Sorry? The bath scene in 24-25. I think that was probably not needed in the sense. Uh, I can't recall it standing out to me at the time. I'm sort of flicking back to have a look at it now and um, yeah certainly yeah there's other ways that you can get on the phone you don't need to be bare breasted and having your <laughs> having your backside rubbed uh, by your your personal masseuse or whatever but again I guess that, that speaks to the, that establishment of, of character and who she is um, two bits where I thought it was probably over the top and we've already mentioned them was the, the three or four pages of um, in part three trying to be a seductive dance in part two and then part three the the last few pages where as i said at the time she just decides that i'm now going to strip as the wall literally the the first rocks are coming out of the ceiling as she goes right i'm going to take my top off and 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 conduct this whole torture death session in the nude um which didn't make a lot of sense so but as we've said, yeah. mental state at the time. So um, I'm sure that Norman Worker, as he was writing this, uh, would have had reasons 
and and for it. To me, it's to me, it's okay. I'm not. A, I'm not. A, I don't have the problem with it in, across this, these three comics that I that I was probably worried about with um, the wedding gifts. Yeah, I probably agree with that. I think part two was probably handled a little bit more tastefully than the final scene in part three, mm-hmm. in the sense that, you know, she was she had the you know she had the coconut um you know the coconut bra on and. Yeah and stuff like that where, you know, obviously it didn't get the PG rating. Um, I, I still have to laugh at the PG rating. Um, I don't know what... Um, I must have missed out on all of those PG movies as a kid, but I never saw anything like this in those PG movies when I was a kid. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, it does sort of remind me of... Um, was it Animal House? Um, those sorts of films uh, in the in the 80s. Uh, that's late seventies Animal House. Well, there you go. So similar sort of time frame to this. Um, yeah, it was yeah. probably um, it would have been before my time because you know age difference and all that. Well, well, do yourself a favour and get <laughs> and hire Animal House. It is. I'm a great Don Belushi fan. You've got to watch it. It is fantastic. I mean, of course, the the, the absolute best movies, Jim. You'll um, you know, there's a piano in the background and it's all black and white. No one talks at all. Um, <laughs> that's the era of movies that you really want to. <laughs> that was when that was when cinema was cinema. <laughs> um, but no, it was it was interesting. Like, I think yeah, I I probably agree with with what you said that it was um, that it did add to the stories. In some parts, it was probably a little bit over the top, but it did add to the character, the stories, and stuff. Probably unlike. And I will agree with pretty much all you just said, you know, comparing this one to the wedding gifts and stuff like that. So, yeah. No worries. All right, so let's talk about more, I was about to say wholesome comics, but the next <laughs> yeah, one's not no. exactly a wholesome story <laughs> either. No, it is not. Um, we'll wait until we talk about Quite giant that. size on that one. Um, Mystery of the <laughs> Ivy Crown, which is 1784, which is another cover by another... Uh, artist for the first time he's done a fruit cover but not the first time we've seen his artwork and this is by uh, Joan Boyks um, man this was a heavy read wasn't it? Well, Can we oh, just talk goodness. about the cover briefly um, though I really like the way that Fru have been putting the um, Egmont covers as a small you know yep. a small inset yep. on, the, on the inside and you can compare the two and I've got to say, a lot of them lately, the fruit cover's been better. And um, I think this is yes. one of those as well. And I know that the same artist has done both. I think he's done a better job on the on the second one, the one that's come out for fruit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I right. agree. Now, the story's, the story's heavy. Did you like the story, though? Yes. Very much. Um, Dudley makes mention that... Um, uh, you know, there's a distant, distinct edge of darkness to the story. I found myself feeling a little uneasy and wondering just how far they planned to go with this. Um, so I think even even Dudley was kind of like, oh, wow, this is a heavy story. Um, we've been getting a lot of more adult stories lately. Yeah. but Which is good, but do you want to mix it up with some of the things? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah... I don't know. Uh, Dan, do you want to give us your thoughts on this story, mate? Yeah, for sure. I, um, the, the 
the three words that I wrote down immediately were dark, detective, and thrilling. And I, and I wrote that down before I read Dudley's yeah. message. It, it's a dark story, but before it gets to that, it, it's sort of, part of the reason I think you, you feel disquiet about it is because that sort of surprises you that it, that, that mm. happens because you're probably two-thirds of the way through when suddenly it goes quite evil. Um, mm. Up until that point, it's just a, a good... It's detective story of um, Kit Walker being asked to investigate something, following up leads. Uh, this leads to that. You know, there's a couple of things. Not if I'm following up a, a, a mystery and I hear that this guy has probably gone to a lookout and I look over the edge and go, "Oh, that's a bit of a drop. You wouldn't survive that." I don't know that I'd then climb over and, and <laughs> scale down. That wouldn't be my first thought. Um, but you know, that's the Phantom, and that's what he does. So. Um, I really liked the detective detective side of that. Do you want to, Steve, jump in on that before we go on to the part B? Yeah, no, the, the whodunit element is, is great. You know, yeah. A good old-fashioned, um, yeah, like you said, detective, and, and using any lead possible, and then you know, you've got the, um, the bit of dust there, and you know, the girlfriend's a little bit worried. So mm. I don't know, <laughs> that's not drugs, it's plaster. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. so... It, yeah, it, it, uh, Great, yeah, great detective work. You put Dick Tracy and Batman to shame on that. Yes. Um, Do, yeah. just, just one thing, while we're talking about the detective work, there's a bit of a side story that... Um, yeah! <laughs> yeah, now with the mm. whole Luaga thing, do you think that's um, uh, I was a future for him to show story? Up. I was looking forward to him showing up. I really was. I will. Yeah. Yeah. So I hope they explore that. Mm-hmm. Really... Well, surely, surely was... after this he'll go home again and go. So, Lamanda, what's the go? <laughs> yeah. The... yeah, I thought that was a very nice touch, and I like, yeah, I want to see the, the further stories on. Or, or the, on um, page sixteen, have you heard of Lamanda Luaga, the previous African president, Nobel Prize winner? <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I heard. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, was, I just, I, I loved that little bit. It was, and actually, like, while it was dark, it was a little bit of fun. And speaking you know. of little things like that, um, even early in the piece where Diana's cousin comes over and says, oh, I've got this mystery, can you, can you help out? Diana's not interested at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 we're on a holiday. See, it's almost awkward for us to talk about. It's, it's that dark. Like, the idea that there's been this secret society, and spoilers, I mean, this is the most recent one. We've probably gone through the others and, and not worried too much about spoilers, but people may not have read this one yet. If you, and if you haven't, um, maybe skip over the next five minutes or so. But um, try, try and do it without spoiling. I'm sure you can do it without It spoiling. reminded me of the movie Sk- Skulls, I think it was. Yeah. Where you've got the you know the secret organisation and uh, and stuff like that and it's the whole you know um, what do you call it blackmailing type of thing. Yeah. I guess yeah. the idea that it's been going on you know uh, for that period of time. What I what I liked about this is that what they allude to is probably far more horrific and. Um, graphic than anything that happened in, you know, we've just talked about the wedding gifts and Pirates of the Red Dragon. 
they don't use anything. There's nothing mm. drawn. It's all left to the imagination. And for almost for that reason, it's far, far worse yeah. than, than yeah, anything. It's a, um, it's a Hitchcockism. You know, yeah. Alfred Hitchcock did a lot of that. It was implied that something happened. Yeah, and, and, and they take you right up to the point, and, and I think the, the really chilling line that's, that's spoken to, to Catherine, and it's the, last, it's the last panel in that scene on page 21, um, the, the first piece of dialogue, and it's the last, the last piece of dialogue in that scene as he's reading the diary. Um, that's, mm. that's horrific, and, um, mm. and, and, and just sparks so much, and yet, you know, you can cut away there, and, and you don't need to show any more. You know exactly what's happening, and um, it's not good. It's not good. It's very dark. You can almost in that panel, and the way they've, the way uh, the artist boy has drawn it, you can't see much of the phantom, but on a, on a, it's it's very well done. But you could almost, you could sense his disgust, yes, his anger, his, you know, his almost inability to be able to comprehend what's actually going on. It's it's a very powerful panel. Mm. Um, mm. You know, and then on page, the third panel on page 22, yes. where he's got the book and he's looking at it and he goes, how incredibly disgusting, poor Catherine. Yep. Again, it's 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 showing that human side and um, I don't know, it's... um. It, sh- it shows some great emotion, even though he's actually not showing much, but the story adds to it in a sense. Would this be one of the darkest topics that's ever been covered in a Phantom story? I would say yes. Mm. It don't get much darker. No, and I, no. I can't recall... I was almost physically shocked reading that, and, yeah. um, and I don't recall having that sort of a reaction to, to one before. Just Sorry, looking through it again now, to, to see that the librarian is, it seems to be in on it. The, in on Jenny, it. the librarian, yeah, mm. she is in on it. Um, and another thing that seems to be interesting, or interesting, um, that the blackmail has um, developed, you know, over the century. That the um, we'll just say that new recruits, they're going to be using them or using what's going to happen as blackmail against them. Um, that doesn't seem to be highlighted, you know, a century ago. So that's de- to me that seems to be something that's developed over the um, over the you know over the century. I could be wrong, and maybe they blackmailed them back then too. But um, yeah, no, no one was winning in this. No, I earlier when we were discussing about the page and a half of the wrapping up of the story, I'm not sure if you guys have noticed, but this was. Originally done last year, yes. uh, published in Egmont. Um, but this story is actually the the old school full length mm. rather than the new school twenty two pages. Yeah. And I and think this is a this is a good example of they've got a whole page of wrapping the story up. But it is a good example of like yeah, it's good to have the shorter stories where they're punchier and quicker. But then when you get a, a story that requires the full length to do it. So I think it's a great call from the editors of Egmont to allow this one to be the full, what is it, 26 pages or, or whatever it is. 
So page so this, three to thirty-one pages. You needed that wind down. You yeah, really you did. did. So this was published uh, similar after they what, moved to twenty-two already. Yes. Right. Yes. Similar as Princess, uh, the Pirates of the Red Dragon, and Part Three. You needed that wind down. You needed that moment to kind of catch your breath. You couldn't just end it at the, you know. No. No, that would have been um, unsatisfactory. Yeah, and it was. I think it was important to have, like, you know, a female principal or head of dean or whatever they want to call themselves. Yeah, to come in and have it cleaned up, and you know, with the FBI, and you know, it because it's such a, it's a serious, it's a serious situation. You know, stuff like this happens, and I think it's you know, it, it, it's good to highlight it, but it, you know, um, but it's good to have that bit where it's like, well, hang on, this is serious and people are involved and it's going to be cleaned up. I must say um, one of the things that I really enjoyed about this story and I guess the, the, the way that it was produced or edited was the use of those whisper panels and you referred to the Jenny the Librarian mm. there before. The fact that um, through, and, and this has to be a through thing I would imagine, I don't think, well, obviously it's the first time it's been published in English, uh, to actually have the whisper panels, uh, the whisper dialogue. Oh, no, that that would probably be done because all of the artwork and the speech bubbles are done by Egmont. You know, they they yeah, just yeah, yeah, yeah. decolour it and then put the actual English words in. Yeah, that's right. And so the lettering of having the, the whisper panels, uh, the whisper dialogue in uh, lowercase rather than the all caps, which is the standard. Yeah, true. Uh, that, worked true. Really, that worked really well, I thought. So... Um, and, and again, it sort of stood out as something that's not often done. So I, I yeah, it was a really effective touch. Mm. Anything else people want to add before we move on? Just that I would have thought it. it, it he shows some great feats of strength, particularly as he's escaping um, his captivity. You know, um, yep. And Lift I won't. Chain and that. No spoilers there, but a, a couple of great feats of strength. Could have thrown in an old jungle saying. Um, at that point, that would have been nice. Yeah, that's a good point. Reminds me of the, um, I don't know if you remember, it was a story probably back in probably 2000s, um, The Chain of Jericho. I'm not sure if you guys remember that story or not. Not specifically. I can't say I know it. But it's very, very similar. Okay, now giant size. Now, I'm... I must admit, I'm very interested to hear what you guys think of this. Um, Giant Size Phantom, number one, 100 pages. Now, let's kind of go through it. So this is a message from Glenn Ford and not Dudley. Yeah, it I features, cool. uh, yeah, It features half of the story of the ape idol of Drago and the, the Rattle. Only half. It only features the Sunday version version of it and not the daily bits that fall in between. So, so what you're saying is it's not like the first half or the second half, but it's almost every second chapter is what we're getting. Yeah, you're missing a bit really? in between. Yeah. It worked pretty well, though. There was, uh, except for the one part where um, all of a sudden the Phantom's faced with the old chief or something. You thought, oh, where the heck did he come from? But apart from that, you would... Like, yeah. Don't really know. So, yeah, so for those who don't know, um, uh, we have discussed it on the panel, on the podcast panel uh, before. So there was about uh, 
there was this story, a princess story, and the father and sons, I believe. So there was three stories all up. The flirtatious print. The Flirtatious Princess was the other one, this story, and Fathers and Sons, where basically you had daily stories and Sunday stories. They merged them together. So if you read them uh, together, you have a bit of da- You have seven days daily, a Sunday, seven days daily, and it flows together like that. The well, story, six days, as the case may be, mate. Yeah, six days. <laughs> um, as you can tell, we do recall these at night, so we're not normally this dumb. Um, it's just we're yes, up we late. <laughs> Jermaine is from WA. It takes a while longer. He just yeah. thinks there's seven days in between each Sunday because it takes so long to get there. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is what WA stands for. Wait a while. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so you have the Sunday six days Sunday. So you can read it as all dailies and all Sundays, but it wasn't initially designed like that. So that's why I say there's only really, we only get half the story. So we also get, um, uh, which is something a little bit different. We get back in the 40s through produced, 40s and 50s through produced other characters besides the Phantom. So we get to see some of these stories like Catman, uh, the Phantom Ranger, uh, Sir Falcon. Okay. And then also the shadow. I think that was all of them, right? Oh, there's a story Diablo, but that isn't a 40s or 50s through character. That's been yeah. thrown into this as yeah. something a bit different. Okay, so yeah, so you've got these stories um, now. Apart from the Diablo and Sir Falcon, these are the first through comics. Sir Falcon's actually a brand new story done by Shane Foley, who we all know of. And the Diavolo is uh, done by Filming, which we all know of and we all love. Uh, so basically, if you read it, it looks like the Phantom. It basically smells like the Phantom. But he it's modified it. Yeah, he modified it so it could be published elsewhere. And... To, let's be honest, the Shadow, Sir Falcon, Phantom Ranger and Catman also looks, smells and acts like the Phantom in a lot of ways as well. So, guys, what are your opinion of the giant size? Um, I think it's an interesting concept. It's one that um, I think is close to, to Glenn's heart. I, I remember him talking about it um, a while ago that um, he wanted to get it up. I like the um, the... Ape story, the ape idol story. Um, it was nice and short. It got you in. It was fun. I liked it. I was sitting in the pet. Oh, actually, I was sitting where I am right now while my wife was driving. We were, he- we were heading up on a road trip to my parents' place, and um, yeah, she had the first shift on the on the steering wheel. So I started reading this, and I really enjoyed the ape idol story. Of course, I've read it before, but it's still nice to go back to it. Um, when I got to Catman, though, my interest started to wane a little bit maybe because I was more keen on what was happening on the stereo, what Andrew was doing. Um, but there just seemed to be, I will read it, but it just seemed a little bit, I don't want to say try hard, but it, it was taking off a lot of elements from other comics. You know, well, and so Catman doesn't really strike fear into anyone, I wouldn't have thought. 
Um, and Kit, you know, well, Kit's just a direct rip off of um, the Phantom. Catman's got a ward, just sounds a bit Batman-ish to me. And but I only read the, the only first couple of pages of it, so I could be completely wrong, and and, the, and that's fine. I'll wear it. Um, but I haven't had a chance to read the rest of it, so um, that's the end of my review. <laughs> Yeah, no, well, I have gone through and read every page of the of the giant size. There were pages, there were bits of it that were more of an effort to read than others, I suppose. But I, I liked the Ape Idol story. It, I found it weird that... Uh, so with the giant size, obviously the, the closest thing that we've we've seen to it before, or I've seen to it before, because even though I'm ancient, I'm, I wasn't around when the giant, first giant sizes came out. <laughs> So the closest thing I've seen to this before it would be the replicas, the replica series, the countdown from 200. And one of the features of that is that it has the front cover of the the crew in colour. And so it was great to see the front colour, the front covers of the Shadow and Catman in in colour in their original version. The Ape Idol story sort of stood out and was a bit jarring to be honest because it's such a recent looking cover and compared to the other ones it just doesn't it, it doesn't it doesn't feel right I suppose to have such a recent uh, 983 and I appreciate that this was the first time that the Ape Idol was published um, and that's why they've used that cover it just it just sort of stood out and was a bit different um, in terms of the other stories Catman uh, look they're all interesting to see them and to to see what was published back in the day everything that you said about Catman I 100% agree with Stephen Kit the Ward. I didn't know if that was. I thought maybe that was short for kitten, uh, which was why he got that name, uh-huh. yeah. or, or whether it was a phantom ripoff. Um, lots of attempted feline references, and he can see in the dark and that sort of thing. But look, at the end of the day, I think you can see why Catman never took off uh, as a as a comic strip hero. And why he's still not around today? It, it's not a great one. Um, like you said, ripped off too many other elements. Uh, Felmang's Diavolo, I thought that was, it was, it was an interesting to, to see it and the background was given for that in Glenn's message from the publisher. With no character context and no origin story for this Diavolo character, it, it's not a really great story, I didn't think. I'm glad that I have read it though, because I'm not sure where else it would ever be published other than a giant size. There doesn't seem to be any room for it anywhere else, I wouldn't have thought. Uh, the Phantom Ranger, I thought that was really good to see the first one of those and have the origin explained of where the, who the Phantom Ranger was. That's something that I've always wondered about when I've uh, heard about this character in the past. But I thought the art and the storyline were both pretty crude. The, the art in particular was just really clunky, I thought, and, and quite ugly in places. Um, I guess it, it's the 50s and, and that's what um, that comic books looked like then and I'm certainly not being critical of... Um, the production values today, they're just reproducing what they had. Some some really classic Western elements of it, so I can see why it was popular. I'll keep going through in order. Uh, the Sir Falcon story from Shane Foley. I'd be, I'd be really interested to know, without having re- read any other Sir Falcon stories myself, how much research Shane was able to do into um, that character, because he's written and drawn the strip. So... Um, how authentic is this to, to the original? I've got no way of knowing that. In a sense, I felt like it was almost a phantom story, uh, similar to the way that um, they've been done in the past with um, the phantom pulling out a book from the Chronicles and reading it to everybody. It was almost a bit like that. But let's tell you a story about this character from the past. Mm. 
But I just found it like an odd little story. It's very, very short, um, and I'm not really sure what the purpose of it was. It's five, It's only five pages long. It's a total of 22 panels. Hardly anything really happens. Even at the end, it, it says end with a question mark. So is this going to become part of a series that is in every giant size going forward? I think they're planning on publishing them quarterly. So that's a long time between drinks for a five-page story. So I'm not. I, my jury's still out on that one. And then finally, The Shadow. I probably enjoyed this the most of any of the stories in the giant size. Again, it was the first issue reprint, so the background for The Shadow was provided, which I thought was really, really cool. Dialogue from the characters was very distinctly British, and I enjoyed reading that and the, and the Cockney slang and all that sort of stuff. Nice, simple story. Um, very, very entertaining. Um, I would say, though, that if I was um, Inspector Drummond from the Scotland Yard, I'd be really starting to question my friendship with... Uh, Jimmy Gray slash The Shadow because he doesn't seem like a, a very handy friend to have. Um, and and the fact that I'm starting to talk about the characters and the storyline there uh, speaks to the fact that I thought that was probably the most interesting story in the lot. All right, cover, guys? I really liked it. Yeah, me too. Uh, an overall concept? Good see how it goes. Yeah, yep. I'm not sure. I'll, I, I mean, I'll probably keep buying it as long as it's got a phantom story in it and it's got the phantom on the cover, yeah. but... It's a big selling point. Yeah, two or three issues in, I think they're going to find out what sort of genuine readers... I'm sure that there's a nostalgia value, um, but the guys yes. who will have the nostalgia value for this are probably 70 to 80 years old. So how big an audience that is or, uh, for the, for a sale, for a market, I'm not sure. Yeah. Is there an, is there an opportunity like you got these one two three four half a dozen characters on the front cover, which look like they're all in the same battle? Is there an opportunity to to have all these characters working together, a la um, Dynamite King series, and do something there? Yeah, I don't know. It would be hard. They're all from different places, and they're different eras as well. Yeah. But I guess the Phantom, like Sir Falcon's more. Although it's alluded to that he's still around, so Falcon's probably more, you know, medieval. back in the medieval times, uh, the Phantom Ranger yeah, is more... so was Prince Valiant. Yeah, true. But I didn't really... Yeah, I was a little bit a little bit unsure how they handled Prince Valiant, to be honest. But yeah, I, I, guess the, I guess with the giant size, it was always... They always had these fun style covers with... Um, which Glenn does kind of go in detail in his message from the publisher or message from the boss um, or message from the director where he talks about some of the covers on the Super Yank and the Giant Size. Now, all right, I'm going to have a bit of a, a bit of a go. Now, anyone who's ever listened to this podcast more than once would know my opinion on the Replica series, which I think is a complete waste of time. This, I am, when I first brought it, or even before I brought it, I was sitting on the fence, which I did say in the year review. So I'm on the record saying that I was on the fence then. When I first brought it, I was still on the fence. The more I've thought about it, the more I've talked to other fans about it, I am, believe it or not, getting off the fence and on the side that I think 
this could be a good idea. I like the idea of the fact that they've gone from number one onwards rather than 200 backwards, which I think is probably my biggest gripe. The giant-size comics are hugely collectible, i.e. in average condition they still reach over $100 these days. There is there is a market for these characters in the old through comics, not just with the 70s and 80s, but with a lot of Australian comic collectors, with which go which kind of replies to your comment that you had about maybe it was only had the market towards the you know the 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 pre forecasts or you know the people that are in the 70s and 80s. So there are people that do kind of collect them for nostalgic value. So I reckon there will be people who will buy it because it will be kind of like, oh, you know, this is, you know, like there is that. So there will be non-fandom people that will buy this, I, I reckon. So actual actual Phantom Ranger fans? I'm not sure whether they should be Phantom Ranger, but probably more comic fans, if you know what I mean. Like, yeah, Australian... Yeah, cause because right, cause that that was a, a a genre in it of its of its own, wasn't it? Back in the day, Australian comics. Yeah, and, and also, still is, the, I should clarify, yeah. but in a different way. Yeah. Now you know, phantom phantom collectors are different in a lot of ways. That majority, not all, but majority of phantom readers collectors only collect the phantom, where a lot of other comic readers collect multiple titles. So I believe it's a great idea in the sense that it's they're going to be selling stuff not just to Phantom fans but also to a wider audience, which is not a bad thing. Um, they've got they've you know especially if they're doing fork stories and stories that they've already published, and if they sell good like the replica series do, it's money for jam in a sense, which means they can you know almost spend the money on other stuff. I liked the self, the Surf Falcon. I have to probably disagree with you. I reckon that was probably my highlight of the whole comic was the Surf Falcon because it it leaves you wanting more, leaves you questioning it. Could there be a crossover? Could Is this just a fun story? Could there be something more? So from my opinion, I like that. Yeah, there just wasn't enough in it for me. Like, all you, there's yeah, two people come together at a I party, think that's they have the a point. fight, that's it. I think that's the point. It's not supposed to be a full 22-page story. It's a tease. It's it's almost like, you know, when you've watched your Marvel movies and at the end there's those post-credits, which is fun, makes you question it. And then, you know, once you watch everyone, everyone on all the fanboys and all that are talking about the post-credits and what it could do and... So do you reckon like there will be a full 22 or whatever page story in the next giant size? I don't know. From I really don't know. But that's that's part of the fun. That's part of the fun of for people to talk about, people to dissect, people to think about. Could it work? Could you have Sir Falcon and the Phantom in a crossover like what Dan suggested? Could it be the beginning of all of them coming into the one story? So, you know, like, could the next giant size we get, see three stories mentioned, all the Phantom, 
meeting Sir Falcon or, or not Sir Falcon, um, or could be meeting Sir Falcon or could be meeting the Shadow or one of the others and slowly after everyone, then there's a big epic story with all of them in there. Don't know, but it's part of the fun of the speculation. It wants you wanting more. So I think, I, I personally think you might have missed the point of the story a bit, that it's not supposed to be an actual story, it's a tease. Yeah, well, let's, maybe. I mean, the last panel certainly does sort of raise that possibility. You're sort of looking off into the distance and Diana's asking, did you ever meet Sir Falcon? And he's wondering, wondering something. So there, there is something there. But if that's what it's going to be, then I'd probably like that to be uh, signposted a little bit better. Um, I don't know. But it's part of the fun, mate. It's part of the fun. It's part of the speculation. You have to, you have to, you have to not give everything away so easily. And I, and I know next to nothing like you. I know as little and as much as what everyone else does. It could just be a four or five page fun story that we never see anything again, but it could not be. And so, in my opinion, this was actually the best part of the Hulk of the whole comic was that four or five pages. So, when we first heard about Giant Size, there was supposed to be colour included in it. Um, we did ask through about that, and they just said that with some logistics issues, it just wasn't going to work. What I would like to see out of the Giant Size is not to include hacked-up versions of Phantom Stories. I think this has got the potential and the ability to be able to do nice, clean reproductions of fork stories, which will help, in my opinion, keep the forkers happy about not having enough fork stories in their regular issues. Does that make sense? Yeah, I don't know. If, yeah, it, I, I hear what you're saying. So I... You know, and uh, I did say it has the potential. I'm not going to say it it will keep them happy because, you know, these are all grumpy old people, so not much will. Um, well, it's, <laughs> but it, I think it's it has a, the potential. The, the selling point of the giant scratch. size, and it, the, the, it's giant because it's 100 pages. This has got 10 pages of Phantom Story out of its 100. Yeah. So is that enough? No, I don't think it is. It was like I said, it's an entry point for the Phantom fans to get in there, get a, get a little short story. But the main focus is on the, um, the other characters. Yeah. Um, so I, I think personally that it has to be an equal focus between these other characters and the Phantom. The Phantom can't, in my opinion, can't be an afterthought because then you're going to be alienating probably the majority of the excuse me, the majority of the purchases, which are the fan of fans like you and me. I don't think he's an so, afterthought here. Like, he's clearly the biggest on the front cover, and it's the first story. But, yeah, you probably you probably expect more Phantom from your Phantom stories. Would you have um, less stories, but longer? So, say so you have the Phantom, Diablo, and Sir Falcon in one issue, then next one you have the Phantom of Shadow and Phantom Ranger, or... You know, put yeah. in there too, right? So, well, um, yeah, rather than trying to shove all six in there, just have a few of them um, per issue. Well, obviously, if they're copying, if they're copying the Phantom Ranger 
Shadow and Catman, which are just the um, uh, which is just a replica of of the issues. That's fine, but yeah, you like the Phantoms ten pages, the Diablo, which I'm not sure we're going to see again. No, that I, was I don't what think... that was four pages. Um, and then the Sir Falcon was how much was Sir Falcon? You said that was five pages, five right? Five pages, yeah. And then, and so yeah, you, you're right that if you have a full length Phantom story, i.e., twenty pages, you're probably not going to have room to have six stories. But I hope if they are going to do Phantom stories, they're not crappy reproductions like the Phantoms vault, uh, um, the Phantoms replica series. That they are good quality ones, which this one is. They have done... Um, this is nice, clean reproductions of the Ava Idol. Like, that's very clean. Like, you you know, we don't... You know, that's... So that, that gets a top mark for me is the fact that, you know, they, they've actually put the effort in to get a, a good quality version of that. Yeah, and I think that probably what this highlights as much as anything... Um, the Ape Idol is from, what, 1959? Uh, 56, um, first published as a daily and Sunday story in 1950 yeah. in the papers and 1956 in Fru. And so, if anything, that really just highlights how streets ahead the Phantom was above these other comics that were being produced at the same time. Because, as I said, uh, certainly in Phantom Ranger, for instance, the art just doesn't stack up at all by comparison. Mm. And if you look at the detail that Wilson McCoy puts in as well, you can't say that he's doing simplistic art no, you really in this can't. story. You really can't. And, and yeah, it's probably not fair to be comparing um, whoever drew Catman and, and Phantom Ranger to Wilson McCoy. Very few people stand up next to Wilson McCoy full stop. Mm. So. Yeah, but I think I think we can both say that for first. Would you, would we all agree that for a first giant size, it's a um, maybe not a giant step, but a good step. I'll say good for now. And judging by your by your uh, reviews, um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'd agree with that. Yep. Cool. All right, guys, we have almost finished. We got one more comic to review, and everyone's going, "What? When's the latest Fruit comic out?" I know we're not talking about that. We are talking about the Lightning Strikes. <laughs> <laughs> so as we have said before this is out um it is available on the fans fault website um we have posted a review on our website because we have uh, been privileged enough to be able to read it thank you to everyone at lightning strikes for making that possible for us you can read our full opinion of it on the on the uh, website. The thing that I would you like to see more from these guys? Yes, yes. I would. Yep. Mm. I, I I agree. I thought I thought it was very like like you know when you when when people say oh you know it's coming from a you know little indie you know little small or indie or whatever word you want to use publisher and stuff like that. Some people get a little bit like a little bit nervous like oh, is is just is the quality going to be there? But, man, was the quality there or was the quality there? It was top quality. It was it was worthy to be published by, you know, 
by some of the bigger guys. It was it was very good. It was, and um, I think I made a comment that I'd like to see more more in this series, like um, yeah. rather than it just be a one-off. Yes. Yeah, the only thing we don't know at this stage is um, you know the print quality and the paper quality and that sort of thing. But as long as that's average then the whole story and the whole concept is mm. well above average because it's a really, really good story. Um, it's a really good fandom story, and um, the villains are fantastic. Stephen Mooney, as the author, has really nailed a lot of fandom elements. Uh, Robert Carey's yes. art, really, really liked it. So, um, yeah, well and truly worth picking up. Uh, it's going to cost Australian fans a little bit more because of the, the Euro and postage and all of that sort of gear. But uh, it's something that you're going to want to have in your fandom collection and, and a story that's well worth reading. Totally agree. Totally agree. So thank you from uh, us to Lightning Strikes for producing something good, but also for allowing us to be able to read it as well. Well, folks, that's all, basically. Um, it has been a good two hours. We have tried to fly through it as much as we can. I hope you are still with us. So as we go, I uh, just want to <laughs> I checked out ages you. ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't know whether it was the carbon monoxide or, or what. I <laughs> um, just want to uh, say thank you. <laughs> as soon as Stephen started talking to... about reading Giant Size in the car, um, he started to go back to that travel motion and just nodding <laughs> off with his head beating against the passenger window. Uh, breathing's getting a little bit deeper, you know. <laughs> I just looked at the time. Yeah, no wonder I'm... <laughs> I know it's been a good two-hour-plus slog, um, but I think it has been worth it. We've had some great classic stories and some big, huge news to discuss. As always, you can find us on chroniclechamber.com, which has got great... Uh, reviews, great interviews, plus all the news and stuff like that, which is all found in the one location. You can find us on various social media, Instagram, Twitter, and, of course, Facebook. And then we give out a huge thanks to our Patreon listeners. Can I just jump in there, Jim? I think it's worth going through and, and, list and, and thanking all of our Patreon um, supporters. So that would be Mark, Jeremy Duncan, Rachel, Thomas, Sean, Jim, Carlton. We really appreciate every uh, every penny that you guys send in towards us, and it, and it does help get this out. And um, we certainly wouldn't be putting out two-hour podcasts if it wasn't for the support of you guys and the, the bandwidth that you allow us to get. So uh, those of you who are worried about uh, how long they go for, these guys are to blame. So no, quite, <laughs> quite, quite seriously, huge thanks to, to all of those Patreons. Much appreciate it. Just, yeah, while we're going a little bit further and while you've listened to us for two hours, so what's another minute or two, um, just so you are aware, like, for instance, these Patreons allowed us to be able to go up to the eight hour per month. What were we on before, Steve? Uh, not that much. It was about two that. hours or, yeah, Maybe so four. it was about four, yeah, three or four hours before with the money that you guys have pledged and gives us, it allows us to be able to basically produce double the amount of podcasts a month, um, which, you know, I know we have some people that say that we don't put out enough, 
as it is. Um, so, again, we say thank you to those guys. And as always, you can find us on iTunes, which is the Apple version of podcasts, and I'm sure there is one for Samsung and Android users as well. Don't forget to rate us, and which allows us to get higher up on the search fields for when fellow Phantom fans are searching for something Phantom, we will come up higher as well. And, of course, it makes us look better, which feeds our ego as well. So um, from me, I want to say thank you. Uh, Dan and Steve, thank you for staying up and joining us. Uh, always My a pleasure. pleasure. And happy Phantoming. Because <laughs> so I checked out ages ago. Five hundred years ago, he washed ashore the sole survivor of a shipwreck. And upon the skull of the man who killed his dad, he said, I'm mad, I must eradicate piracy, injustice and cruelty. And all my sons will follow me, so evildoers will believe that this man cannot die. The man come, the ghost who walks, the man come. Enemies beware, the phantom's always there. But you won't find the phantom He finds you